Bahamas Air, you know what their slogan is? If you have time to spare, take Bahamas Air. <laughs> they, they don't even care like about being like an hour late. Like it's not even Spirit Airlines where you know you have like the aggravated so people up there at the desk uh, frantically going around changing the time. They don't even give a shit, right? <laughs> the plane's not even there yet. It's like 4:30. We're supposed to take off at four, and they still have big letters on time because they're on island time. You're already late. They, they have to put in parentheses island on island time. They don't give a flying one. I mean, there's no regard for time. Uh, Whatsoever with Bahamas Air. They still have on time. You know, 45 minutes late. <laughs> There's no plane in the hangar. Nothing. Nothing at the gate. <laughs> and then it does arrive. You know, like uh, sometimes airlines, they hustle. They, they turn the thing around pretty quickly. Yeah, and you're yeah, like yeah. amazed. Going, wow, that's a pretty good job there. Did you make sure you have enough gas to get to Cleveland? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they pull in. Like, uh, they're already an hour late. Take another hour. Why don't you guys go to the bar and have a uh, Bahama Mama? A couple of maraschino cherries thrown in there right on the top there. It's foam and some whipped cream. Um, yeah, they, they, they don't care. If you have time to spare, fly Bahamas Air. I believe that is their marketing slogan. The time. Wake up with Defoe. Joined by Luby. Welcome to the Defoe Show. And a very pleasant good morning uh, during our winter of discontent here on the Depot Show. Jeff DeForest and uh, one Mike Luby Lubitz. Very happy to entertain you today and uh, glad you guys tuned in for the show here on South Florida Live. Be with you till 9 o'clock in the uh, a.m. And uh, we'll talk to Chris Perkins later on uh, as uh, everybody is uh, screaming and fetching and all uh, loaded with anxiety about what's going to happen with uh, your Miami Dolphins. Even Dolphin Denny, I uh, Felt a little uh, eruption uh, coming from the uh, graveyard where he's buried. Uh, he was rolling over in his grave. You can't believe that uh, they might uh, close the season losing six in a row. Was certainly in a little bit of a jackpot this week with Teddy Bridgewater uh, likely to start against the New England Patriots on the road with the Patriots still somewhat incentivized, I think, by uh, narrow and faint playoff hopes. The Dolphins, I, I believe, only have to really win Just one win. of their last two. And if they beat the Jets, they're in the playoffs, even if they lose this game. Win. So in a very, very uh, fortunate uh, position, considering the fact that they've lost four in a row since uh, rattling off of four straight wins and uh, moving to eight and three. And we all got excited. We thought we were cashing our tickets. Uh, being online to cash your tickets on the over on nine with the Miami Dolphins right now at a race book or a sports book, uh, rather, is uh, probably tantamount to uh, waiting for your Southwest Airlines flight to finally be cleared <laughs> for takeoff. <laughs> Have you ever suffered the indignity of sleeping in an airport? No. I always uh, feel for these people. Now, now no. uh, you know, you, you look and you see somebody, and, and this is my favorite one, and I've never actually uh, done this uh, or been uh, subjected to this uh, level of, of uh, uh, you know, I just uh, absolute uh, wasted anxiety uh, on uh, trying to get out of an airport. But uh, you find out that your flight's canceled. Okay, uh, whatever. Uh, going to be delayed hours. Maybe uh, not going to show up at all. Uh, have you ever uh, been sleeping on a row of chairs where you were underneath the armrests? Yes. So you're, that you have? Yeah. You slept in an airport? I've never slept I've in an airport. I've never stayed there, no. slept overnight, but we had a, a fight that kept getting pushed back two to three yeah. hours that we pat. It was like late night. And I remember and you were Shirley laying under on, the armrests so you could stretch out across like four chairs? Yes. I remember Shirley sitting on the floor like this, and I was on the armrest yeah. on the uh, thing. Under the, I, I uh, at one time had the skill, and I, I thought it was very important if you were working in this business, especially if you were doing a lot of traveling. It, it was vitally important to be able to fall asleep anywhere, anytime. 
including during the broadcast. <laughs> and uh, I, I was an expert, uh, maybe aided slightly by, uh, you know, the occasional drop of a Xanax tab, but uh, I, I was an expert at falling asleep on, on airplanes. Yeah, I, I, I could nod out the minute uh, before they even took off. I mean, uh, the plane hadn't even uh, reached, you know, the level where it was in the air at all. And, and I was already out cold and I, I would sleep right to the destination. Didn't matter where it was. See, that's funny. That's the one ability I don't have. Shirley can yeah. sleep anywhere, anytime. We take these long flights and I can sleep for like 45 minutes an hour. I can't like knock yeah. out for five hours. Like I just can't. That I can't do. That always sucks. It was kind of like sucks. when I was, uh, and I've talked about this when I was in Mr. Tideman's social study class. And it was the ultimate example of clock torture. In fact, uh, in terms of clock management, it ranks up there with uh, Nathaniel Hackett when uh, he was the coach of the Denver Broncos. And you're thinking, what on earth is this guy thinking, man? Fourth and one? You have to go for this. You can't punt with a minute 30 to go when you're yeah, down. Exactly. I hate to say this. Two possessions. Two there scores. You there you go. It's a two-possession game. That's right. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean uh, – it's it's wacky, yeah. The, the clock management thing uh, in the NFL is atrocious by most coaches. Uh, but uh, clock management for me when I was in school was yes. uh, trying to not look at the clock while it was ticking away because uh, certain classes were just outright torture for me, including Mr. Tideman, who was the assistant basketball coach. His social studies class was so boring, Luby. <laughs> and I'm a guy, obviously, I, I like talking about political things and history and things like that. I, I get into all of that stuff, but I, I don't know that anybody – in the history of education, ever made a subject more boring than Mr. Tideman did. <laughs> An interesting uh, subject, right? I mean, he yes. could have been teaching like a, a boxing and horse racing class, and I would have fallen asleep during this thing. <laughs> so um, I would compel myself, you know, and tell myself over and over again, do not look at the clock. Do not look at the clock. Now, in, in this business, you're constantly looking at a clock, yeah. and I, I am largely driven. It's odd and guided by time. In fact, it's so in my head that, I, I try to detach myself from it uh, when we're not doing shows, yep. and it's hard to do because you're thinking, okay, it's 1130. I can crash for an hour, then go to my appointment, <laughs> and if I wake up at uh, you know, uh, 1226, I'll have plenty of time to get ready and get out the door there. Are you guided by time? Or are you bound I, by time? I, I, I don't know why. I mean, because uh, time is running out for me. I mean, the sands are going through the hourglass. I just saw some other sports guy uh, checked out at 89. Guy I wasn't that familiar with, who uh, was a uh, fabled New York sportscaster many years ago, and I'm thinking that's not that far away, Luby. We're oh, talking about uh, you know like 17 and a hook in terms of years. I know it goes by fast, but goes you know, by fast. William Shatner is 91, and he's still doing commercials and like lives a full life. I saw a lady that was a well, and, and he's horrendously overweight. I mean, uh, the man and he's not even in shape for a long time. Exactly. So there you go. Yeah. Use that as your example. Don't worry about those that. Certain people have the kind of uh, body chemistry, though, where, uh, you know, you, you always, uh, you know, see the example of the person. Yeah, I smoked two packs of cigarettes yeah. a day. And it's like <laughs> they're honoring the person on the news because they reached 105 and they're still running marathons. And, uh, you know, alcohol is really the key. <laughs> it's a steak a day. <laughs> Keith Richards, man. I mean, uh, come on. Well, that's an anomaly. <laughs> Had an oil change. Exactly. He's just a, still around. He's, he's like still a banging seventeen-year-old chicks. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> what were the Rolling Stones? They must have been doing some good drugs, man. Mick's still going strong. I mean, uh, you know, they've had their casualties, but uh, Brian Jones, right? But uh, that was an overdose many, many years ago. Remember the blonde-haired uh, bass player that they had? Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, wow, I mean, you know, to to still be touring. I mean, they were touring as recently as last year, were they not? Mick's hopping around on a stage. <laughs> 
Like, uh, you know, he just uh, stepped into the ring uh, for his first pro fight as Sugar Ray Leonard. I mean, you know, just, uh, okay, I got everything going. I got the energy here. I'm going to knock this clown out. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, Southwest Airlines, what a nightmare. And if you're talking about six, seven days of delays, I mean, that's what, what do you do for an option, right? It's snowing all over the country. You can't rent a car and drive anywhere. It's going to take you 17 hours to uh, accomplish what you could have done otherwise in two or three hours uh, by uh, taking the flight. And uh, they just keep telling people, uh, <laughs> uh, we might have something in January for you. Now, that's still a few days away, even if you're looking at it like uh, as the joke, like, hey, I'll see you next year. But it's going to be like next Wednesday. I mean, you're still talking about uh, another four days yeah. of being stuck in a town when you factor in hotels and all of that stuff. I mean, it gets exorbitant, does it not? What, what, what a crisis that is you're seeing uh, lines in the airports all over the place and uh, this was because uh, you figured it was a good idea to book a flight for nine dollars <laughs> southwest airlines what are they you saying the reason is like it's not the weather this entire time other no. planes are flying like uh their computer system crashed or something so it takes they, days uh, it's taken uh weeks uh, apparently to what the heck? Up, but uh, that's an atrocity that's going around uh going on around the country and uh how fortunate do you feel if you're not one of those people? On I mean, imagine you're so happy that you're flying Spirit. Yeah, they said that the first time they made Spirit looks good. Spirit's they look good. Yeah. We're flying. Spirit looks like Delta man, compared to these guys. I always liked Southwest Airlines. They had a cool attitude, right? Surely like, said uh, the it would same be thing. Easter and uh, the flight attendants would all be wearing rabbit ears, you know, uh, and little hats. And they always uh, got people going. They would have little gambling games, right, where you put money in the bag there and somebody won it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, right now, I mean, uh, definitely not a favorable thing. Uh, all right. The big news yesterday out of the NBA, and this is kind of interesting from a lot of different standpoints, uh, was, uh, Luka Doncic and his triple double, his, uh, monumental triple double 60, 20 and 10, Yeah, 60 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists. And, uh, that was in an overtime dramatic victory over the New York Knicks who led by nine points with 33 seconds to go. You do all of the mathematical yeah, computations. It's almost impossible. Holy Reggie Miller. Impossible yeah. to lose in that circumstance, is it not? Only two times, I think, are Reggie Miller, where he scored eight in, like, what was it, nine seconds or something. Yeah. And uh, the Tracy McGrady a few years ago, when he was with the Rockets, where he scored, like, 12 in, like, 30 seconds or something. Other than I'm that, not sure that, that, that Doncic accounted for all of those points, but uh, he did account for I the game playing bucket. Yeah. And, and, and a play that never works, right? Worked. <laughs> where you deliberately miss the free throw, but somehow you get the rebound and, and you actually put yourself in a position to tie the game. Whereas if you had made the free throw, you would have uh, certainly lost the ball game. But with a couple of seconds ago or uh, something around that neighborhood, uh, the uh, I'm not sure if Doncic was on the line, but uh, a deliberately missed free throw ended up in Doncic's hands and he cans the bucket. I, I think he might have made a three out of the corner, which uh, leads me to believe that somebody else got the rebound. But I don't know if they even had a time, you know, enough time to, to pass the ball. Uh, he ended up tying a ball game. It goes to overtime. And uh, 60, 20, and 10, I believe, has never been done before. I, I think that's a first on a triple-double with 60 points, 20 rebounds, and 10 assists. Even a great Wilt Chamberlain with uh, all of his 50-plus uh, uh, rebound game. I mean, uh, yeah, he, he would get like 55 and uh, 25 rebounds, but um, didn't have that many assists. 60, 20, and 10. For Luka Doncic. Now, if you look at it, uh, you know, we were talking about the worst trades in history. And I'm not sure because the other guy is actually a very good player and he's been a catalyst for some successful things. But I think wildly inconsistent by comparison to Doncic. But you remember the draft day trade, correct? 
Because oh, uh, Doncic was originally drafted in the number three spot, and they must have had a prearranged yeah. agreement that uh, the Atlanta Hawks were going to take Doncic, uh, number three overall in the uh, year that he came out. I want to say, what was that? Was that like 2018 or, or something? Maybe. All right, so, so uh, he was traded immediately on the draft day for Trey Young, and uh, the uh, Atlanta Hawks also got a first-round pick from the Dallas Mavericks for uh, going ahead and uh, choosing with the third pick. Now, I, I suppose they could have just traded the pick, and, and uh, Dallas would have drafted Luka Doncic, but uh, somehow, you know how those NBA deals go, where the guy walks over after being drafted to Susie Culber. He's got a Pistons hat on, Susie uh, almost weeping, I think they took her off this draft coverage. I don't think she's involved in this anymore. But, uh, you know, it got really, really soapy when uh, Susie Culver would ask every person that came off the stage. Now, uh, some of these guys, you know, were, were uh, you know, freshmen in college and uh, you know, they didn't really have a whole lot to say. They, they were happy to be drafted. They accomplished their NBA dream. I understand all of that. But uh, when you hit a 19-year-old kid with, uh, how would you describe this journey to where you are today? <laughs> Guy's got to be looking at you and uh, saying, uh, what, what, what is this? Are you auditioning to host The Bachelorette? <laughs> the fuck is this journey? I played high school ball. I went to uh, I college know. for one year. Calipari told me one and done, and I'm gone. Exactly. And I'm happy to be drafted uh, in the lottery. Uh, you know. And, and then the guy would walk off the stage, and two seconds later, the Pistons hat yeah, exactly. would go in the garbage, and he'd been traded to the Sacramento Kings. Which, by the way, uh, when was the last time uh, you checked the standings, Luby? Uh, right in now, I just said it. That was the first time I've done it in a while. Why? Sacramento has a winning record. What the hell is that? Really? Yeah. yeah Sacramento is like 17 and 15, the Sacramento Kings. Mm. Uh, you you almost never see that, right? I mean, you I automatically assume if you were going to try and figure out where the Kings are standing in, in the NBA uh, rankings, uh, you, you would look immediately to the bottom, would you not? A and scroll your way back up. No, they'd be in the playoff. They'd be in the play. Seventeen and fifteen. That that that's uh, a mystery, and it's one of the mysteries of the, you know, the Philadelphia seventy sixers are actually good. They had an eight game winning streak snap last night. Uh, Joel Embiid is playing MVP basketball. Uh, James Harden now says he wants to return to the Rockets. How welcome will, will he be? And I'm sure. I'm sure they're all running. <laughs> I mean, he won it out of there badly when he actually still had ability. And, uh, you know, not nearly the same player. But, uh, you know, you would think that's a weird thing. I don't know how that speculation got started. I mean, do you think Harden was holding a press conference? He said, you know what? I'd really like to return to the Rockets. In the middle of a season <laughs> where would. the Philadelphia 76ers <laughs> have a chance to win a championship, this asshole wants to tell you that he wants to go back to the shittiest team in the league? Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, what is wrong with these people? Uh, he's fun. Uh, Too he, much money, huh? He's Too a much good time, money. James Harden. James Harden's a lot of fun. Really yeah. Is. So, uh, what do you think? I mean, what do you think about that trade now? Luka Doncic for uh, Trey Young in the first round pick. It's so funny because this whole time it's lean Doncic. He's been MVP candidate. Trey Young hasn't been to those levels, but the Hawks have made a conference finals. Um, they did push the eventual champion Bucks to six games. Yeah. And they've been relevant and they've been fun. And the Mavs did get to a conference finals last year, but they always feel like they're going to come up short. But it's pretty clear. <laughs> like who won that trade? Wow. I mean, you can't put Trey Young in, in superstar status, can you? I mean, he, he's obviously a, a big name. He's an attraction. He, he's somebody that, um, you know, it, it's kind of troubling for me, having grown up on uh, solid, fundamental New York City basketball, a la Jim Laranega, where you just have a guy that uh, shamelessly, I mean, I know Steph Curry does this to great success, 
and he takes like a 40-footer, and you're thinking, come on, Steph, do something else. But Trey Young, I will just uh, inadvertently chuck a ball from uh, any distance, and uh, lots of times it's a line drive brick. And uh, you're asking yourself, uh, I mean, can it, can it be a lot of fun to run around? I mean, you're running around like a maniac trying to shake your man. Yep. You're running a guy through backdoor picks on the baseline, coming up on the other side. You come out to the top of the key. You're giving the guy this, you know, here, here, here. <laughs> Trey Young just looks at you, and then after 23 and a half seconds of operating off the shot clock, launches a line drive brick <laughs> from straight away 37 feet. And you're asking yourself, who drew this play up? Mike D'Antoni? <laughs> no, D'Antoni would have had him shooting the ball in the first five seconds exactly. of the shot clock. But uh, very, it would be very frustrating, although uh, Trey Young uh, does, uh, you know, generate uh, a lot of assists. He, he nonetheless, I mean, when, when he just settles for that line drive brick from 35, I, I really question it. Now, now, Luca will chuck it up from anywhere also, but uh, he, he does – well, Young goes to the basket and, and uh, gets a lot of those little floaters in the lane and, and probably gets more mileage out of himself than a lot of people would consider. I mean, uh, but if, if you had a chance to get a 6'7", 225-230-pound guy that uh, has the kind of skills that Luka Doncic does or a, a 5'10", uh, skinny, uh, balding uh, point guard who, who likes to chuck the ball from the <laughs> coke machine. Balding. Why does that just look like I don't know, guys going bald at length 19. Come on, movie. You still have hair. Jordan did the bald thing young. You, you think it's out of choice at first? No. No. I, look, I, I, don't I love that you throw in the balding. Thank God we don't have, uh, you know, a, a, uh, back of the head camera here. <laughs> exactly. Because you'd be seeing a giant red yarmulke, which uh, has been emerging for years. Keeps getting bigger, but I, just enough hair in the front Man, to kind of sustain well. a level. Good for you. Uh, looking like I have hair. All right, who, who do you think was drafted ahead of Luka Doncic when he was taken third? Uh, I used to know that draft. I don't know. I can't right. now look uh, it up. I don't know. Number one pick, Phoenix Suns, DeAndre Ayton. Ayton. DeAndre He's been solid. Ayton. He's been solid. Okay, you can't really knock the pick, but it's not like uh, taking He's Elijah Wan ahead of Michael Jordan, is it? No, no. Like It's not justified. Luka has been clearly better, 100%. Way better than DeAndre Like Ayton. Jordan was I mean, better, but Elijah Wan's going to go down as a top 10 player by most Elijah accounts. Elijah was not a bad Top pick. three center by yeah. most accounts. So you did fine. And they won two yeah. titles. Okay. Aiton has been a mouth. Sam Bowie, uh, unfortunately, was, was a, uh, a, a relatively negative pick there yes. by the Portland Trailblazers and uh, probably tarnished the image of uh, the great Stu Inman, who was known as a uh, extremely wise and, and efficient talent uh, observer and evaluator. Uh, was with the Heat, uh, I guess, for a while, but uh, I couldn't help myself. Uh, every time uh, I saw Stu Inman, uh, I would uh, think, uh, hey, Stu, still like <laughs> Sam Bowie over Michael? Inman used to justify that, and a lot of people did, because uh, then they had uh, who? And Clyde the Glide. Clyde Drexler, yeah. But God forbid team. two talented players play together, which is literally what the Bulls did and what the Heat did. Why would okay. you want to pair up two guys like Drexler and Jordan? Yeah, they would have been unstoppable. <laughs> like, what the hell would you have done with Drexler Imagine and They Jordan? could have just lobbed the ball oh inside all God. day long. They could have had any stiff. <laughs> they could have had Billy Pauls at center, and they would have scored 40 a game. Jesus. Unbelievable. Oh, my God. All right, so DeAndre Ayton was a number one pick. Who do you think was the number two pick? Number two pick in that draft uh, between DeAndre was... Ayton and Luka Doncic. Two was the bogus one, and I can't remember. I'd have to look it up. All right. Uh, not really. I mean, I, I think this guy is now distinguishing himself uh, a little bit. Um Marvin Bagley, the exactly. second or the third. Nailed it. Yeah. Bagley's been – I liked Bagley coming out of Duke, but he is – wasn't he a king? Now he's, he's on the Pistons. He's playing better with the he Pistons. He was a Sacramento king, yeah, and he was awful. So you can't blame him. <laughs> I guess. 
Unbelievable. Kings are now, now, the Mavs in that same draft. Listen to me with my NBA draft know, history today. Like sound like Scoop Spalding here on the show. <laughs> you like the fact I'm doing a little more research. Yeah, you're throwing me all over the place. Sarni will be happy. <laughs> Sarni likes detail. He really does. He doesn't like when we just blindly pontificate about nothing and assume that the facts will fall into place somewhere thereafter, like this Santos guy. Oh, good. By the way, <laughs> how is it best. that every Republican, what, what a disgrace. I mean, uh, I, I'm going to make a political statement. What a disgrace these people are in the Republican Party that they have nothing to say about this. Not a single Republican is on board saying, you know what, uh, th- this really is a, a very poor reflection on uh, people representing our party. The fact that this guy is just a straight up lying bastard and somehow got himself elected because he was getting a lot of sympathy from different directions. Or the fact that, um, you know, he, he may be empathetic to uh, causes uh, of the Jews and, uh, you know, of uh, people of a certain uh, type of thinking because supposedly he has all of these qualifications and it turns out. They're all lies. All lies. All of them. Every single thing that he said was uh, he, just total I don't think he bullshit. has any degree of higher education. I think he claimed two or three different colleges. Yeah. He said he was Jewish. He's he went to Jewish. like Baruch uh, University or something. Uh, That's one, one of the best business schools in the country. My buddy yeah. actually got has a master's yeah. from there. He didn't ever attend. He worked at like two of the higher firms, Goldman Sachs, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of the other one. And, and it turned out he was like never. a delivery guy for Amazon. <laughs> never. <laughs> and like, not even a particularly good one, right? He most people exaggerate. up for being late. It's like, dude, it's like me saying from being a producer, I, I'm a, a office manager. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I could probably. I, extract what I did. Like, you're just flat out, that's lying. <laughs> like, that's just the, lying. There are times in your life, though, that, that you absolutely have to embellish your resume. Embellish I, is I one understand thing. that. Embellish yeah. is one thing. But uh, in, in this case, when you're running for a public office where it, it's likely that uh, most of this stuff is going to be exposed, and especially now with Google, where uh, I, I have a friend that uh, tries to uh, maintain that he played for the New York Jets. Okay? And that's something, unfortunately, I hate to tell this guy, that uh, you can easily look up. Easy. Right? Yes. Claim that he founded many companies and all of this other stuff. And, you know, we, we looked at the guy. It's like, you're talking to us, right? The biggest bullshitters <laughs> in the world. You think we're buying that for one second? You got to be kidding me. <laughs> but not one Republican uh, has come out uh, that's uh, currently in the House of Representatives or, uh, you know, the uh, Senate and said, uh, we, we cannot, allow, cannot allow this guy. I mean, they, they, we have to take any means necessary to see if we can stop this guy from being uh, sworn in. No, no, they don't want that. They, they don't right. want, they have the numbers, not that they what a need, disgrace. but they have better numbers right now. They don't want to lose a, lose a person. So what do you got there? I don't know. A liar. He's not. A, a lying <laughs> scumbag who uh, can't be trusted, uh, you know, as far as uh, you, you could throw a spitball. I mean, uh, unbelievable. It's a joke. It's so funny. That's great. Yeah. No, I love the way this uh, country is rolling right now. It's absolutely fantastic. So the Mavs uh, get Jalen Brunson in the second round. Yes. Draft, so they picked up Don Chicken Brunson. Now Brunson great leaves for the Knicks and has been a huge factor for the Knicks. After uh, coming over as a free agent, the Knicks also uh, recently got uh, hit with a little fine for tampering. And a Brunson deal, but uh, that that was tantamount to a joke as well because uh, the ultimate tampering was uh, no, nobody even bothered to uh, consider that they hired his father as a coach out of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. To be an assistant coach on the Knicks bench. Come on. I, I'm assuming that Brunson's father had some qualifications for this job. Yeah, I think Rick Brunson's but, been a coach for a long time. I mean, he's been but how I, uh, odd? I mean, is that just pure coincidence? No, no, it's it's pretty clear. Kind of like Jerry Faust getting the uh, note of danger. <laughs> 
after sending, uh, you know, uh, several, uh, you know, all-American 300-pound linemen straight out of high school at Cincinnati Molar to Notre Dame. And, uh, you know, eventually the chancellor looks and says, uh, you know what, we owe old Fausti a favor. <laughs> that guy Hartman's so transferring to Notre Dame. How about that? Right out of Wake Forest. I, I, and he was such a good story with Wake Forest, wasn't he? Yes, he was. And I thought he's been I thought he's been there for 14 years. I didn't realize he, he still had he, eligibility. He, was injured, he had all kinds of stuff. I didn't realize he like I know that COVID thing allowed some guys to have six or seven years. But I like I didn't realize he got another like he's been there a long time. <laughs> like it's a little weird. I mean John Blutarski wasn't in school this long. <laughs> That's, it's true. That's weird. Uh, the longest I've ever seen uh, was uh, Stevie Frazier uh, prior to. I, oh, I think you have guys now going seven years, but Steve Frazier was, was an outstanding high school basketball player out of New York, recruited by Leonard Hamilton and uh, supposed to immediately orchestrate a, a huge ascent uh, of the University of Miami basketball program. And tragically, he uh, shattered his knee when uh, Leonard decided he was going to go with the Midnight Madness concept uh, that he had uh, you know, adopted from his ties to the University of Kentucky. So he thought, I mean, the little did Leonard know, there was no way to spark up a basketball crowd for college basketball in this town, which is oh, interesting right. because you would think with the Heat, as popular as they are, there might be some spillover effect to uh, what, what has been, for the most part, a uh, you know, fairly exciting University of Miami basketball program. Up against it in the ACC. Going against these uh, powers, uh, Jim Laranega's been there now, uh, what, it seems like uh, okay. a dozen years? Is that right? Yeah, it's like How well long has Jim Laranega been the head coach at uh, UM? It's been a long, years. long time. Yeah, more than that, probably. I, I'm going to say maybe even uh, 14 years, something like that. Because I, I do remember, and uh, I, I will never forget this, uh, you know, certain people. And, and, you know, it turned out in this case, uh, what, whatever happened to Armando Salguero? Is he right? He writes for somewhere? Outkick, the place that... Jason Cole writes. Oh, the right wing thing that uh, Jason Cole just part of? fits. Whereas Jason Cole does not fit politically, but they Armando is a right wing well. uh, political Armando guy. Armando leans that way and is very happy to be with Outkick covering the NFL at large. I always had respect for what the guy did because he wasn't He's afraid to challenge guy. the authorities there with the Miami Dolphins, including Don Shula. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, he wasn't particularly a favorite son because uh, teams don't like writers that are uh, critical no, no. Uh, of what they do. And uh, consistently trying to, uh, you know, go ahead and dig up the truth, which uh, I don't know that he always did. But I do remember because I, I was working a radio show and I left that station and the uh, station replaced me uh, on that morning show with Armando Salguero. Uh, and I think he was working with somebody else. And, and I, I tuned in one day and this was after Larry Nago was named the head coach. And Salguero was screaming on the air, he's 61 years old. That's not what we need. Yeah, well, who did he replace? Frank Haith, who, who left yes, in uh, 2011. You know, he's been there since 2011. And I think it was Haith who went either in disgrace or went to Missouri. Okay. Because, uh, yeah. And I remember thinking, well, what difference does it make that the guy is 61 years old if he can, you know, put a program together? And the interesting thing is, uh, you know, now at like 72 years old, uh, not only is Laranega sustained a high level of excellence, let's not forget, I mean, this seems like centuries ago, and, and you almost don't realize it, but they were in the uh, grade eight last year. Yes. University of Miami. Yes. And, and they come back after losing some talent and uh, go right through the transfer portal to be sitting there at 12-1. and 1. They had their game canceled uh, last night. It was, or it's tonight, I guess, that was supposed to be the game against Vermont. It was either last night or tonight. And uh, the game was canceled, and uh, this doesn't bode well for uh, her dear friend, Tony Segreto who was uh, trying to uh, fly out of Vermont down. today, but the uh, the team itself was unable to uh, make travel arrangements. Now, 
you would imagine, I don't know, college basketball teams don't always fly on charter flights. I'm not sure that UM even does, because uh, when I was traveling with the UM basketball team for a few years, uh, we were always on commercial flights. Really? Which was interesting, because everybody stared at Constantine Popo when he came on the plane. There, there was, a, You know how there, there's always one person that goes down the aisle, and everybody like, and, and nobody could believe Popo, who had to, uh, you know, almost double over so that he could get down the aisle there. And then if he's in a middle seat, probably, yeah, prohibitive in terms of... Uh, <laughs> I think they always fly. I mean, I don't know about Vermont, but, like, I would hope a UN's flying on their own flight these days. Like, I don't think they... Uh, think about it, though. I mean, uh, it gets, uh, you know, really expensive. Oh, now, expensive, now, at that time, but... they were in the Big East. So they were always flying to, uh, you know, uh, northeastern destinations. Whereas uh, in the ACC, I, I don't know. Southern. I mean, uh, is it less travel? I would have to think so. Yeah, yeah, everyone's but, like in this area for the most. But you're part. only flying like you know, I don't know, total of maybe twenty guys, and, and uh, you, you know you're going to charter a plane uh, like I don't know. The Heat own their own plane, obviously. You would think that Mick could afford uh, any kind of jet, uh, but um, I, I'm not sure. But uh, whatever uh, travel arrangements they had, private jet or not, or I mean, uh, private charter or not, uh, they were unable to get out of Vermont. So That's not Tony good. might be a little late for those Orange Bowl appointments that he has going, where he's going to be hanging out with Dabo. And, uh, and Josh Heupel. Uh, Josh Heupel. He, tomorrow he had, like, interviews with him. Every time I, I – you know, and Josh Heupel's done a great job as a coach. I, yes. I mean, he, he's accomplished a lot and, and maybe surprised some people, right? He was at UCF and uh, yeah, uh, now doing job. a good job here uh, with Tennessee. Really that they were a very exciting team uh, this year. And our underdogs, I believe, to Clemson by four points in this Orange Bowl game, which now – I mean, how much does this diminish the game, Aluby? I, I don't want to tarnish uh, Tony's – Sort of, uh, you know, pie-in-the-sky view of what the Orange Bowl is going to be this year. But both teams are playing with backup quarterbacks yes. in this game. Well, Club Nick was a choice. Club Nick, they had flirted with all year and finally made the decision. We're going with this Doesn't kid. sound like a Clemson quarterback. Cade Club, Club Nick. No, his name does yeah. not sound like a quarterback at all. Doesn't uh, he sound like a guy that would be, like, blowing a chauffeur? And I was going to say, he sounds like an accountant. It sounds like the yeah. guy that is the head of the, the brotherhood at the temple and then also yeah. your accountant. Yes, Cade Klubnik, but he's the Clemson quarterback, um, and he they chose him. The difference is they chose him, and Tennessee did not choose to not have Hendon Hooker. So that's why I feel I still lean Clemson because uh, they and Hooker this was having a hell of a season. Yes, and he got hurt, but he he's injured. Uh, yes. Ukulele, the uh, starting quarterback, uh, which many people would applaud, uh, you know, because uh, was there was horrendous. great debate whether or not he should be the starter at Clemson. Uh, he had some ups and downs. Uh, I thought he was going to be really really good, didn't you? He was supposed Ukulele. to be. Yeah, what do you mean? He was in the his recruiting class right with Bryce Young, and then he yeah. had that game versus Notre Dame where he was a free, as a true freshman where he was a freaking monster. And then it all went downhill from there. Wasn't really able to sustain it, much like we've been talking about with uh, Tuak. And you sustain yes. a level of excellence yeah. over 17 games in the pros. Not the easiest thing to do. No, no. But uh, he, he wasn't able to sustain it. I mean, you would have to say that uh, ukulele was very suspect <laughs> as the Clemson uh, starting quarterback. But um, he, he is uh, now transferred. And so they go uh, with the guy that a lot of people wanted uh, to begin with, which was uh, this Klubnik kid who distinguished himself pretty Fine. well. For uh, Clemson. So uh, their favoritism is probably somewhat justified. Yes. And uh, the backup quarterback is uh, Joe Milton. Oh, he's not. Joe the funny Milton. thing is he was a big time guy from Michigan. He was supposed to be Michigan's guy. And then he was a total disaster. He's more of like I, he can run. He just can't throw. So he can run, but he can't hide. Exactly. Okay. That's sort of his thing. I, I do not like that in my quarterback. <laughs> no, a, a quarterback who can't true. throw for me. <laughs> I always get a kick out of that when they say, uh, well, you know what? He's not going to throw at the combine. 
It's like, well, what else do you want to see him do? Right? The only thing you want to know about your quarterback is can he throw the fucking football? That's it, right? So you're going to go to the combine. You're going to be in front of a million scouts. But, well, he's not going to throw at the combine. Yeah, I don't get that. Which tells me he can't throw. Yeah, why are they period. scared to throw? I get it when they're like Wouldn't you want to show in. off your arm? I mean, if you're a three-point shooter, right? I mean, I, I couldn't wait to get in front of somebody if I was, uh, you know, trying out for a team or whatever. I, I just start shooting a rock from all over the place. Right? I figured I was going to make a bunch of shots and, uh, you know, eventually uh, be, uh, you know, in a situation where maybe some of the plays were even drawn up to, uh, you know, get me into basketball. That would be great. <laughs> I'm sure you, you were pro that. <laughs> Very much inclined to uh, be in favor of that. And and if they weren't designed for me to get the ball, I would find a way to get the ball and then chuck it up from wherever I was. <laughs> there was no shot that I uh, took that I didn't feel was going in. <laughs> That's why you like the Warriors brand of basketball. <laughs> well, the Warriors brand of basketball, I mean, I, I don't know that it's still the same, but, uh, you know, it, it was a couple of years ago. When it especially started, when they had Durant, like five, six years ago. It was absolutely epitome. I mean, uh, if John Wooden was drawing up the perfect way to play basketball, it would have been that. That was uh, great. The, the movement of the ball and the transition game that they had going and their ability to uh, play both in the half court and on the run. Uh, was absolutely phenomenal, and they shared the basketball extremely well, even though, you know, you had your your known chuckers. I mean, think about it. Uh, Steph Curry deferring to Kevin Durant and, and uh, letting him be the primary guy on the offensive side of things, uh, that, that took a lot for a guy that's uh, perfectly capable of going for 40 or 50 on any given night. And it was perfect symmetry, uh, the way they played basketball. It really was. I mean, they played team ball to the ultimate definition of the word. Uh, unfortunately, right now, it's not going so well for them because uh, Curry's out and they've had their share of different uh, things happen uh, and, and they can't win on the road, which that, that's, uh, you know, n- not a good trait or characteristic to have if you're planning on being a playoff championship team. Uh, I, I would have put Golden State right back into the uh, mix there to at least make the Western Conference semifinals this year. And much like our prediction that the Los Angeles Rams were likely repeaters to make an appearance, at least in the Super Bowl. We look like fools. Yes, yes. I would be. That omelet that I made this morning should just be on my face. <laughs> I was involved in a couple of bowl games uh, yesterday, not oh, by nice. choice. Uh, so he, Francesco uh, gets involved in bowl games? Francesco, Jesus. oh, yeah, no. He, he was making a little bit of a comeback uh, on me in uh, some of these bowl games. He had hit like four in a row. Oh, geez. Yeah, he, he was doing well with this. Um, and, and, you know, it, it does seem to be haphazard because we tried to ask. Mark Lawrence on last week's uh, Degenerate Friday, if there was some kind of pattern, and he had a brilliant pattern that uh, what was um, you know derived from the fact that underdogs in certain situations were doing great, and I of course uh, completely misinterpreted and misrepresented his position when I was talking about uh, the fact that I thought Mark Lawrence had illustrated that favorites were doing extremely well in, in the ball games, and, and they are not, but. Um, Yesterday, I had all three favorites in the games that I uh, was involved in, and uh, two of them ended up winning and winning big. East Carolina. In fact, uh, didn't they, uh, Professor, did he like Georgia Southern yesterday? He liked they Georgia were the ones Southern. that went down it to Buffalo. It did not go well. Yeah, it did not go well for him. He said the quarterback had the game of his life. Like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Sometimes when you have action on a game that you really have no interest in, but, uh, you know, you, you ended up somehow having money on the game. How could that be possible that you had no interest in the game? I, unless you were involved in a, you know, circumstance like I am where you're just booking some blind man's picks and he bets every game on the board and you're thinking, okay, what are the odds that this guy ends up at 500? Probably 0.0. Now the disadvantage for me, and this is almost like taking one of the zeros off the roulette wheel 
when do you see single zero roulette? You wouldn't have to travel all the way to that casino in Venice that Mustang and I went to to find single zero roulette. You know what the new trend is, Louie? Why? Because people are so psychotic when they're gambling. Triple zero roulette. What does that mean? So that's just another. Well, well here's game. the thing. Okay, so uh, you're playing roulette, right? You spin the ball, the ball goes around, bounces out of the number that you have a stack on and right into the next number. Nah, obviously. Okay, but you're getting paid. I mean, uh, th- this is all about the payoffs. You're, you're getting paid 35 to 1. Okay. Okay, so it, it's a great game. I mean, you, you can make tremendous advances if you happen to have a very short run of good luck. Yeah, you you can walk away even uh, you know not risking that much money. Maybe you only bought in for a hundred. You can walk away with five six hundred dollars in a matter of seconds. Nice, right? a couple of rolls. That's right. it. Nice. Uh, now uh, you have to know that, uh, and you have to go back to American Gangster and think of that guy that was uh, dealing the dope out of uh, Thailand or wherever they were, Vietnam, and, and say quitting while you're ahead is not the same as quitting. Yeah, yeah. Because you will eventually get ground down. I mean, I, I've seen it many times where, where guys were hitting everything. They were hitting stacks with like thousands. Guy's getting $7,000 back every time a number hits. He's got, you know, like a dime, uh, you know, or two uh, on uh, on a number. And um, you, you're thinking, uh, wow, I mean, this guy's going to be filthy rich. And he's stacking chips up. And then you come back about a half hour later and he, he's playing dollars. <laughs> you got like two and he's taking a marker out. And you're thinking, stuck around too long. But uh, the advantage is, okay, so there, there are 36 numbers, actual numbers on the board, and then the one zero. Yeah. So you're getting 35 to 1. Now, then the natural odds, if there were only the 36 numbers, are 35 to 1, right? Uh, there's a 1 in 36 chance, 35 to 1, uh, you know, against any individual number coming up. So, you know, it's a fair payoff. But when you factor in the zero now, uh, and, and then two of them, that gives the house the edge. And then it, it also factors in when people are betting at even money, red or black, which is for some reason very popular. I don't personally like that bet because even money doesn't excite me. <laughs> it really doesn't. I mean, I, I'm not inclined to go, oh, I think a black is coming up here. Let me put a hundred on that. Rappers do that. I've noticed that. Rappers love to play red or black, and they do it based on what's on the board already. And you will see what, what I would consider to be a sea of red as opposed to the Tony Sperano Red Sea defense. But uh, you'll, you'll see, like, the last 16 numbers that came in were red, right? Now, what are you thinking as you walk by that table? Geez, I should reach into my pocket and plunge down everything I have on black. Yes. Now, what you don't realize is two things are going against you there. That every spin is just arbitrary luck. 100%. Arbitrary luck. It doesn't matter. The red could have come in 50 times yeah, in a row, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. got a 50-50 chance versus black of coming in again. Yes. It's still the same odds. Uh, I mean, uh, regardless of, I mean, you're thinking, okay, they're, they're due. It's due. It's due. Yeah, it's not a hit. <laughs> yeah. Odds and probability. I mean, that was the one course I really paid a lot of attention to in, why. Uh, in school. <laughs> now you factor in a zero, and it's not even 50-50 anymore. There is where the house advantage is created. Because if, if it comes up zero, it's green. It's neither red or black. Whoosh, all money goes down. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah. Now you can bet the zero. You can yeah, bet the double yeah, zero. Yeah. But they now have triple zero roulette. Oh, my God. That's so annoying. Triple zero. And the people love it. I mean, that's the busiest table if you go to a casino is triple zero roulette, which uh, only is designed. I mean, uh, how many times have we said this? And it was a philosophy that uh, came from my, my good buddy, often referenced here on a show, who was brilliant and way ahead of his time. I mean, uh, this guy was the Lenny Bruce of sports commentators. Ed Kaplan, when it came to degenerate gambling, he was way ahead of his time. 
And he told me a long time ago, because I told him I, I kind of like playing like Caribbean stud poker for a little while. And he, he said, listen, there never is a new game introduced in a casino that is favorable to the players. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Never. Exactly. The standard casino games have uh, relatively small margins, but uh, they're going to eventually grind you down. The house odds on craps are the smallest. Blackjack is uh, pretty close uh, second. And uh, those two were the standards. Uh, roulette, obviously, you know, you're seeing where the house advantage is. It's in those little green numbers. And, you know, uh, you know, the other thing is it's almost impossible to sustain any kind of a run there. I mean, uh, as I said, I, I've witnessed many times where guys got whittled down to a nub after being substantially ahead. And, and it's, I, I walk at a certain point. Like if I make a score early, I'm walking. Uh, you know, if I win 500 right away, boom. If it gets down to four, I'm gone, right? You're figuring that the trend is going to turn around. But uh, no new games come in there, none of this stuff, right? Let it ride. Caribbean stud you don't see too much anymore because it was such an impossible game to hit. You would have four aces, and, uh, you know, you're in line to make, uh, you know, a huge score. And then the dealer wouldn't qualify. And and so you won nothing on the money that you would bet on the hand. (laughs) Nothing. You got your ante back. And if you hadn't played the bonus, you got nothing out of that, right? You have one of the great hands of all time. But uh, maybe you didn't feel like handing up $5 a shot for the bonus, which, uh, you know, is another way where the house gets you because it looks very attractive there. I keep dreaming that I'm going to sit down at some stupid card game like three-card poker or let it ride and and draw the royal flush. And that I've already – and it's just like with the lottery, right? Did anyone hit the mega powerball last night? Because that thing was up there like – Five hundred fifty million, and I passed on it, Ruby. Even though I had tickets to cash, uh, did I, you get involved in this? No, I, the last one was enough. When I got up to a billion, I, I'm good. I, yeah, I, I know there's no chance of hitting, but I wrote some numbers down, <laughs> and I bet they came in. That's fine. I wrote down one series of numbers, and and if this came in, uh, what should I do? Just kill myself right now? Because I, I usually just uh, I'm too lazy to uh, fill out the card. Do it. Six sixteen twenty four thirty nine fifty seven went with the uh, mega ball number of seven. If that came in, you won't see me no more. Not because I hit it, but because I wrote it down here on a piece of paper and didn't play it. <laughs> I'm hoping it wasn't hit because uh, I do live by the fantasy that as the jackpot grows, I'll get involved and, and maybe. Well, you know, obviously the odds are, are so extremely prohibitive that nobody's hit this thing for six months. Exactly. exactly. Even though billions exactly. of people are playing. I mean, there were like tons of, you know, there's over a billion dollars that's been bet on this thing and nobody's hit it. Uh, so, um, of course, my chances loom large, right? Going down the street here to the convenience store, having old Arnie punch me out the winning ticket. And then we're all smiles. And like I said, I mean, the last time we were involved in uh, chasing one of these jackpots was with the Powerball, and the Mustang and I weren't speaking to each other for two days because <laughs> she was win. mad that I wanted to give a million dollars to her sister. That hadn't happened. Out of $700 million. And again, it didn't happen. You didn't win. Of course not. <laughs> imagine getting into an argument you know, before that. the fact, knowing imagine? that you have 0.0 chance of being in this position. Oh, my God. How do you get and mad you're about worried about how much money are you going to give your kids? And, and uh, you know, how much? What do I give you, Luby, if I hit you this? Know, I don't know. I don't care. You Is don't 20 million enough? I'm I mean, not asking I mean, for anything. I just love that. First of all, yes, this thing got mad. But just that there was even, even an actual 
passionate discussion about a mythical thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sure other people, it's not, I'm not uh, unique. We talk that. about sure it, happened. but we didn't get like her parents. That's what would why you we do with the money? That, yeah. That's always the question. Her parents and her were talking about it and they were getting, they get excited and they do the thing. And I don't because I don't know if I'm skeptical, negative, whatever you call it. I know I'm not going to win. So it's a waste of my time to do that. But yeah. we didn't get like angry. It's perchance the dream. <laughs> though. I mean, it's Shakespeare. I get it. And it's yeah. not that much money, so throw 10 down, it's fine. What I'm saying is, like, to actually take it to a place where you take it so seriously that you're getting oh, no, mad. You're at mad at somebody because they were going to give money to somebody <laughs> that uh, you feel was undeserving. <laughs> I, I would just stand out here with a stack of cash and give it away. <laughs> I mean, uh, look, you, you could go buy yourself, like, a $50 million home at, at the uh, inlet. You could live in the lighthouse if you wanted to and uh, and still have $550 million left. I mean... It's more than enough to get out of this lifetime, I would think. Yes, you could you could be one or, of these idiots and still be fine. You could be a two thirty hitter, which is uh, probably a better way to make this kind of capital, right? Because uh, look at this guy uh, with the uh, Sean Murphy. You familiar with him? I don't even know that name. Catcher uh, for the uh, Atlanta Braves, right? Sean Murphy. Sure. Two thirty five hitter the last uh, since two thousand twenty. Two thirty five hitter, uh, uh, regarded as a decent defensive catcher. 235 hitter. I don't know if he hits uh, for a lot of power. I only saw this uh, stat here. Six years, 73 million. 235 hitter. Holy Hector Lopez. Hector's got to be rolling over in his grave, man. The guy hit like 275, and they thought he was a scrub. Could barely sniff the field there as a platoon player. Unbelievable. Hey, yeah, we'll play Yogi in left today. No, sit Hector down. <laughs> Unreal. Yogi was a lefty. All right, uh, many things happen. Uh, we're going to talk to Chris Perkins. Uh, he'll get into some football with us. Uh, you have Week 17, some uh, really interesting games. Uh, the Monday night football game is a classic, is it not? For a rare occasion, uh, you have Bengals-Bills on Monday night football. Bengals-Bills. Yes, the Bills game. have clinched the playoff spot, but they have not clinched home field. They're, they're in a dead heat, uh, holding the advantage over the Kansas City Chiefs, who uh, have been winning every week, regardless of the fact that they can't cover a point spread to save themselves. They, they might have covered last week. I don't know if they were favored by 14 uh, last week, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. But they were 310 and 1 to the spread. The uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are just an annuity every week as uh, they're 311 and 1. Yeah, the Chiefs. The it went off at, uh, they were laying 10, so they did find oh, okay. cover. Yeah, they did cover. And, and that's something that if you're a gambler, I mean, uh, you know, this is maybe more appropriate uh, for Degenerate Friday, although we just spent uh, half an hour analyzing the uh, negativity of playing roulette with three zeros. <laughs> if you want to have three zeros in your account, play a lot of roulette. <laughs> that's for sure. It'll be 0. 0.00. But uh, here's the thing, too. I mean, when something's been happening over and over and over again, uh, you know, and it's just like the red versus black thing. But it's not as arbitrary. Uh, here are the Chiefs. Every week, they, they win, but they can't cover the point spread. Not even close on, on most weeks in terms of covering the spread because they've been in some life and death yep. you know, uh, battles just to win the game, including against the Houston Texans, Texans the week prior. Is that the time to jump on the idea that, you know, you know the number's going to be lower because people are all catching on, right? Yep, yep, yep. So is that the time to jump on it? It hasn't been the case with the Buccaneers because they, again, yeah, uh, even though they eked out a, a ridiculously pathetic victory uh, where Tom Brady once again looks like a hero, even though he played like shit. Yeah, the whole game. <laughs> the whole game. The garbage. Whole game. And, and, and you can't say that he doesn't have, I mean, everybody says, oh, well, offensive line's not that uh, good. They I have mean, talent, though. 
You got Mike Evans. You got Godwin. Uh, you know, uh, Leonard Fournette is no slouch. I mean, uh, he can't run the ball, you know, uh, with this team, but catches the ball out of the backfield. Always gives you, a, you know, a major effort. Is he one of those guys that averages three yards a carry that you really, you're thinking it doesn't matter, man, because he runs hard every time. If he's involved in a one-yard plunge, I mean, he's punishing people. Leonard Fournette. I didn't really who was given up for dead, right? Uh, wasn't he, uh, you know, considered to be washed up before he got to the a box? A few times, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. But uh, it, it, you you sometimes just have to anticipate when it's time to turn around. Like like Mayo blew it that time uh, where he, he was on to the fact that the Panthers were going to blow their playoff opportunity. Uh, what was uh, all in that they would lose to the Capitals and then predicted that they would get swept in the next round by the Tampa Bay Lightning and, didn't and do anything whiffs about on it. betting it. Yep, didn't do anything about it. Nothing. And even we Fine were like, bets, you know, that's a good bet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're like, actually. We considered it. You may have been right. <laughs> Go for it. it. It made sense. It really did. I mean, the team's falling apart at the seams. They have a coach that can't handle the situation. They eventually fired him. And uh, to their credit, they brought in a coach that was even worse. <laughs> yeah, they're worse this year. An unaccomplished <laughs> losing coach. Who left his goalie in the other night. I mean, he, he literally sent out a guy. You thought he was bringing in a substitute goaltender because the guy had given up six goals, and he hands the guy a blindfold and the last drag of a cigarette. Because <laughs> uh, guess what? You're going to stay in there and learn a lesson. <laughs> and after the game, he was like beaming from ear to ear, right? Just, uh, well, <laughs> you learned a tough lesson tonight. It's like, uh, listen, Paul Maurice, why don't you shove that philosophy right up your ass? I mean, how come you didn't yank this guy after he gave up three goals in the first minute of the game? Come on. <sighs> Bobrowski can't be that bad. And it wasn't Bobrowski. Who's the uh, backup? Spencer? Oh, Spencer, Spencer Knight. Knight. Spencer Knight. Spencer Knight. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What happened to him, man? He, he used He's to be supposed good. to be the savior. I guess wow. not. Uh, did he lose his vision in one eye? I mean, <laughs> if I held up a giant E on the top of an eye truck, could he see it? I'm not sure. The local teams, man. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty bad right now. Yeah, it's pretty Just bad. when you think you're out. And did you see all those moves the Marlins were making? I mean, uh, didn't they sign that Japanese pitcher? No, no. Yeah, they were wheeling they went and dealing. To the, <laughs> <laughs> the Gimang thing is such a disaster. She's did they make a bid on Correa also? And they said, nah, we don't care what's wrong with his ankle. Well, we'll sign him anyway. Here's $200 million, Carlos. See, woman or man, I don't care what her sex is. She's worse than any of the team. Like, she does not. She just does nothing. <laughs> like <laughs> Kim Ng, man, she she picked up four stiffs in the free agency last year. And they all were bad. Gave them a boatload of money by Marlins standards. They all suck. And uh, I thought it was a good idea after uh, an horrendous season that got the former manager of the year and a great guy, Don Mattingly, fired. Guy who was all in and committed to uh, working with these young players. Uh, great guy, a tremendous ambassador for the team. One of the few recognizable people on that Marlins roster where, uh, you know, if you uh, you know saw him somewhere, you go, whoa, yeah, Mar uh, Marlins. Yeah, that's Miami's team. All right. Who, who else is recognizable? Uh, Miggy Rojas, one of our favorites, even though. He's a lifetime 260 hitter. No one knows Miguel Rojas. I like Miguel uh, Rojas. But no Pablo knows. Lopez. Okay. Uh, now, now you probably know Alcantara, although it's not like uh, he's uh, displayed a big personality. I think he has one, but he doesn't speak a lot of English. I don't know any no of those speak. guys. If I had seen any of those guys in public, I would not know who they are. If Sandy Alcantara was standing in front of you in the 10 items or less line, no idea. No, I would think he's a basketball because he's pretty tall. So I would like, oh, maybe he plays for the Heat. Would you be sitting there going, hey, that looks like 12 items to me? <laughs> that really pisses me off. I, I, don't may, know. I hate when people do that. I try not to let that bother <laughs> me. But, you know. When they come with a cart full, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm counting on going, wait a minute. I mean, six cans of soup is six cans of soup. It's one, two, three, uh, four, five, six. 
Now you have, uh, you know, five other things here. That's 11, my friend. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> my problem isn't when it's one. Uh, it's when you no, 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 look one, at no. it and you're like, okay, that's eight already. <laughs> Anybody can miscount 10 or 11. I, I, I think you should be allowed two over. No? I don't, yeah, I don't mind that. Like a, 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 you know, within the mean, within the, you know, like voting. They do have here within the percentage. But my problem is like with polling. But like when it, the whole cart's full, it's like, come on. Yeah. Like, and no one says anything. And then there's another card. <laughs> and then, you know, as, as they're almost completely checked out, uh, they go, oh, well, well, wait a minute. My wife just went to get two more things. <laughs> now, she, you know, butts her way into the line there. And you're standing there with, uh, you know, as Mike Mayo would appreciate, a rip-off version of a dozen eggs. <laughs> Although I, I don't think I'm going out of my way to go to Walmart to say, I mean, even saving three bucks. On a dozen eggs. Would you really buy all of your other groceries at a store and then go someplace else to get a discount? No, you're talking to the wrong guy. I'm the one that literally... That's what my mother would have done. Aldi and Publix. And that's why she had like a million bucks when she passed away. I shop on Aldi and Publix depending on what I'm getting. Because I know I can get one thing cheaper at Aldi and something else cheaper at Publix. Now they're right by each other. I wouldn't drive around. It's like my parents will drive an extra 10 minutes to save six cents on gas. And I'm like, you understand. Like you just used it. Like two yeah. gallons. Four dollars worth of gas. Like I like getting the cheaper gas. Don't get me wrong. So I know where the cheap places are around. I, I want the cheapest gas I can put on. I'm I'm the king of that. But I, I don't yeah. go out of my way to get the cheap gas. Like that's not, no, no. you know, that's sort of going backwards there. All right. Uh, J.J. Watt's going to retire. I, yes. I don't know. Is that any big surprise? Because uh, he had a lot of injuries. He's young. He actually had a pretty good year going. That's the funny thing. Is that yeah. it's this year where he's been decently healthy and having a good year. But he just had a kid. Uh, his first kid. Should Tua retire? Okay, we'll discuss that next. <laughs> Don't do that, please. I saw that everywhere yesterday. <laughs> how, how do people come up? I mean, I who, everyone's who, a doctor. Who are the people in these editorial meetings when they're discussing content for a show and they think, hey, Stephen A., why don't you try this one? Should Tua retire? They like, don't I, do I don't know. I mean, how, how could we possibly make any kind of a judgment call on that? Well, first of Do all, they have yet to not, say. It well, was a, you know, it's like you're, all of a sudden you have like a, a laser and you can see inside this guy's head. Look, no? this wasn't the other times. Like, there's no one. X-ray I, I, vision. I know That's one guy videoed a fucking thing. And that now when we look at that video, his head hit hard. Fine. I it watched did, the yeah. game. I watched the game. Most people I know watched the game. No one left that game talking about that hit. During the no. game, no one talked about it because they panned away and no one went back to it. So it's not like this. I, was I the couldn't other figure time. out where he got a concussion. I no watched one most could. of the He barely game. got touched. I mean, That's the good thing. Yeah. They, as bad as their offensive line is, he's getting rid of the ball quickly and he's not getting hit. That's yeah. I, that's my pro- that's everyone's problem is that when he does get hit the one time out of sixty minutes, he gets hurt every time. Like, and I can't and I can't fight that. To play on the field, I'll fight you guys on. The injury thing, I can't because Burrow gets sacked 14 times in a game. And yes. the guy is there the next week. <laughs> like, like Herbert's getting demolished and something. Like, the Dolphins were hitting the, sh- the shit out of Herbert. And he played that whole game. Like, Tua will not get touched because he gets rid of the ball quickly, which is impressive. Gets hit once. It's like, oh, Tua's out. Two weeks. Like, I can't, I can't fight that. It's thing. Of, uh, I can't fight literally, that. like, his head's like a ping pong ball. And then the concussion thing. On the canvas. I mean, you see this in boxing, and you wonder how it doesn't do more damage where a guy gets knocked down and his head bounces off the canvas. And you're asking yourself, how the hell did they recover from that? And a lot of people, you know, not necessarily catastrophically, but later on in life, you know, as evidenced by the many people that I've known through the years that were boxers at one time, 
Although, uh, you know, I do know guys that are still uh, completely coherent, even though they took a lot of shots to the head. But, uh, you know, it wasn't the case, although I think he's kind of come around a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I remember interviewing many times Tommy Hearns after his career was over, and and, and it was difficult. Joe Frazier uh, got a little bit better about it, but, uh, you know, I, I've talked about it many times where I had him in, I was doing these hour-long interviews, and, and I was... You know, I had a good source for bringing uh, top-level boxing uh, talent into the studio there at WIOD. And uh, they would let you do this, actually. I mean, imagine the program director. Imagine uh, Grace Blazer would have been running, What are we doing with this uh, boxer? <laughs> and it would be like smoking Joe Frazier, right? Doing an hour interview with you or Roberta Duran. Although that one was in Spanish. I got duped on that one. Bilingual uh, AM talk radio, uh, you know, does doesn't really work unless you're on a Spanish station where you know all of the people fluently understand and speak English. But, uh, you know, they they just, uh, you know, go ahead and uh, opt for Spanish instead. Uh, And and it was weird, too, Louie. I mean, uh, with Duran, I I never had an empty phone line for like an hour that he was on, even though I had to use an interpreter to, uh, you know, talk to him, which uh, was was very. And fortunately, there was a guy in the room that spoke uh, Spanish and English. Otherwise, there you go. You imagine how that would have gone? No, it's a joke. I think Levitard got sandbagged by, uh, you know, people telling him that uh, Durant spoke perfect English. And uh, he, he asked him a long, involved question about the whole no mas thing, which, you know, I mean, uh, look, look, we've all attempted to be clever. But when getting into these interviews, uh, certainly, uh, you know, I've done it many, many times. That's my game. But uh, I don't know that I would have started with the no mas fight if I was talking to Roberto Durant. So he goes in this long, eloquent shtick about, uh, you know, uh, how, how he felt about the whole no mas thing. Or how he was known after this brilliant career just for two words. And uh, Durant fires back and says, uh, bueno. And then goes into a, like a very short, terse uh, Spanish uh, declaration. And Levitard, you could tell, he realized he was fucked. Uh, nah, we've had he, that. he was stammering from that point on. A guy that's usually uh, pretty, uh, you, know, you know, bald with his interview tactics. It happens. But, uh, yeah, you're sitting there going, uh, like Cramden, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. I tell you, you, you won't be doing that in uh, High Elliott Park's casino, that's for sure. Sitting there going, I'm going to have it, I'm going to have it, I'm going to Because uh, you're in there with a real shot to win. I saw somebody took down 50 dimes, I mean, during the holidays. One of the uh, slot machines they have there in the Vegas Town Casino. Unbelievable, man. And uh, that was on top of uh, recently another uh, score of like 83,000. Now, now, the beauty of it is uh, that these are the things that obviously that people uh, take notice of and uh, gambling uh, publications that go, wow, 80 grand won it at Hylia Park. So, so you see some publicity on that. But, uh, you know, the general thing is if I go to a casino, I want to have a chance to win. I, I at least want to be able to enjoy my entertainment dollar for a period of time. I, I don't want to know that the odds are so stacked against me that it's just going to suck up 20 after 20, 100 after 100. And whatever you brought to the casino that day, you're not only going to be out of it completely, but very quickly. I, I, I don't like that at all. And, and that's why they know how to calibrate these machines at uh, Hylia Park. So everybody's in there with a good shot. And then the jackpots that are paid are, you know, I don't know that it's a life-changing score, but it certainly is a nice turnaround for whatever money you lost prior uh, during the uh, course of 2022, which uh, I don't want to say had another losing year, Luby. No? I mean, if you count in the staying, the staying hit enough big stuff where as bad yeah. as... She must lose. She can't have lost that much. She had thousands. Didn't uh, she hit like back to back? Uh, you would think she would be ahead, but I, I bet it's close. <laughs> Even with that $11,000 takedown that she had uh, earlier this year. At, uh, I think that was last year, actually, uh, that it happened. No, wasn't that at, uh, this year? 
Might have been. It was I, this year. Been. It was when we were doing our own thing. It was, yeah. Can remember you went? There was a time where you go. You went on like three. Trips I had to go like two weeks month. in a row or something because uh, yes. because she hit that eleven thousand yes. dollar thing. Yes. And that yeah, was we had to go back two year. weeks later to be in this drawing that we didn't realize. You had no chance. No, yeah. Remember the, but she hit then for like another three dimes. So that's 14000 I can account for in uh, just straight up jackpots. That's what I'm saying. Uh, one by the Stang on slot machines. And I would have to say that uh, based on recent results, uh, that you, you notice I haven't been talking about any no. big scores for like the last five months. <laughs> just when you think it's easy. Well, obviously. It becomes overwhelmingly impossible to win anything. And now you're sending it in in greater proportions, right? 100%. Because you're thinking, I know how to play this game, right? She th- really thinks that she knows how to beat slot machines. And, uh, I think the only way to do that is with magnets. And uh, you know, <laughs> once they catch on to you, <laughs> they're going to throw you your you know, ass <laughs> right out of you. Unless, I mean, they would be more tolerant even at Hylia Park. They don't want you cheating, and, no. and they're not going to cheat you. And that, that's a beautiful thing. Poker, outstanding the way they want to run the poker room. The uh, champion simulcasting room is exquisite. Boxing coming up in February. A New Year's Eve celebration. I think there's still uh, time to get in on that, and, and you want to check that out at HialeahPark.com, all the details. I believe, Luby, I think it's, like, relatively cheap. I remember I, I told you I spent 500 uh, a pop for two people to go to a New Year's Eve celebration on South Beach at uh, one of their fancy-schmancy places one time. And uh, I would have to say came away, uh, you know, completely disappointed and uh, thinking I'm out of dime. But uh, I think this is something, you know, like like $55, $75 for oh, like an unbelievable deal with like unlimited uh, this and that and all kinds of great food. So uh, check that out. I mean, uh, if you're looking for a way to celebrate New Year's Eve, th- this would be the way to go. And then you uh, take advantage of all the other beautiful things that are going on at Hylia Park, including the great vibe that's, uh, you know, kind of in the atmosphere the yeah. entire time. And, yeah. and that's very important to me also. You don't want to walk into a casino and everybody's got casino face. <laughs> you guys go to a certain place, and the three times I've met you there, I walk in, and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're looking at like, what is this Drek doing here? You guys go to the one place that actually has people that are happy, but like the rest of well, the Well, horse racing, it's your own game. Yeah, that, the rest, that's the thing. The rest of the you, casino. You can't blame anybody else. I mean, you're making your picks, and. That's why I like it, uh, you know, and I feel more comfortable. I, I don't even feel comfortable gambling in a lot of other situations, but I do at Hylia Park where we yeah, well, also have had great success. You know, the Stangs walked out of there with some scores yep. because uh, they're giving you a shot. That, that's what it's all about. Uh, anyway, a great entertainment destination, uh, New Year's Eve. That's a great place to uh, welcome in New Year's Eve, a, a classic destination here in South Florida, an iconic place like beautiful Hylia Park, and it's all happening. I mean, it's great. They, they brought it into modern times and fused the old and the new in a symbiotic relationship time that uh, I think is unparalleled anywhere. Uh, I mean, uh, you, you could go, what, to Churchill Downs? They, they've done that, uh, a good job of that, but they really did it. Uh, a marvelous job of integrating the old and the new and, uh, you know, also having an eye on the future at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes. Can I extol their virtues enough? I love those guys. I really do. I mean, they're great. They do a great job. Um, all right. Uh, we're coming back with more. Chris Perkins going to join us in the uh, next hour of the program. We'll take you up until... 9 o'clock today, uh, Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz here, South Florida Live. Glad you guys tuned in. Do we lose our chat line, or are we uh, no longer attracting I, I uh, people? I got it back. Uh, make well, a comment we, here. Yeah, well, you've been chatting. I okay. Know, I, right, I, 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 I see nothing here. So, uh, uh, there's a bunch you of know, chats. I always dig the comments uh, that come in, especially we want to. It's our way of knowing that Andy is still alive, <laughs> and he can appreciate Honestly, because I texted him twice, and he didn't respond. So yeah. at least he's chatting here, and we know he's doing okay. I think he was betting uh, harness racing in Tunisia. <laughs> while he was in his hospital bed. That, that's a beauty now. If you have a cell phone and you have an online account, 
even if you're on your deathbed, man, you can still be punching away. My favorite thing now on uh, you know FanDuel TV, which used to be TVG, is when they show uh, harness racing. I believe it's from Sweden, where the drivers there's no sulky. The drivers are, are actually jockeys, and they're on the back of uh, of pacers and and trotters. Which looks really, really weird. It, it would be like seeing the old days when monkeys were riding on dogs at Biscayne Kennel Club. <laughs> One of my favorite destinations back in the day. Weird shit, man. Imagine it, monkeys <laughs> You're on dogs. Getting on mules, <laughs> llamas, camels. <laughs> Mule racing. <laughs> like what the hell? I mean, Peter Yellow, uh, the uh, fabled race caller, guy is brilliant uh, at Gulfstream Park, and I mean, uh, great, great guy, and a tremendous. Tremendous talent, and, and uh, probably, you know, you, you could consider him among the best that are out there right now in terms of, uh, you know, being in, in the booth there on uh, major racetracks. And uh, he, he was huge in the mule racing. I, uh, he, he, I guess, came from, like, Arizona or something where it was big. Mule racing. I, I can't imagine sitting through a 10-race mule car, you know? <laughs> I don't think they have enough mules at race uh, to... Uh, Last night at race, Vega, but. and I guess I thought I had seen harness racing before, but they... Uh, our buddy Junior, who used to own Rockin' Jake's, was it Rockin' Jake's, yeah. whatever the place was called, uh, was in there. He's a big fan of the show. He always asks about you. And he sits down, and there's always either CNBC and then sports. He yeah. has, we look up, and there's some kind of horse racing, because he's a degenerate. And yes. I'm like, what racing is this, Ken? He's like, what do you mean? That's harness racing. I'm like, harness yeah. racing? They were in some weird ass. Oh, you've never seen harness racing? I thought, I, I thought they were in like a harness. Like, they were in like this weird. No, no. I mean, it's little not like a zip line. thing. Like, and then they started going around. I'm like, what the hell That's is what it? I uh, grew up with. I mean, that was my first uh, early initiation <laughs> into uh, being a degenerate horse racing gambler. It was uh, Roosevelt Raceway. I'm like, this is the stupidest. I'm like, they're not even going that fast. They're like sort of galloping. Like. Del Insko on the one ball. Carmine Abatello yanking the two right out of the gate. Oh, my God. It was fantastic. Hervé Fillion, Lucian Fontaine, and a tremendous uh, driver colony there that uh, probably would constitute much of the Hall of Fame of harness drivers. Uh, the dancers were in action, and they were big down here at Pompano Park. Stanley Dancer, real class guy. And uh, how, how many brothers did he have, uh, Stanley Dancer? He had like six guys that uh, were all racing. But uh, that, that's what I grew up with. And, uh, you know, the legitimacy of the sport didn't concern me at that time. Where it, it's very easy to control what the hell is going on in a harness race, is it not? And I think the regulation was uh, also uh, fairly uh, fairly lax. I mean, it was kind of like, uh, you know, what's going on at the border right now. Where you're wondering, well, what is the policy? Does anybody know? I, I don't know. <laughs> are, are, they, are they not allowed to deliberately break a horse on the turn so that he has no chance of being in the superfecta? Eh. And there are a few guys that are in on that. Uh, don't worry, the six will not be in the money. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> are we going to be in the money with the over? I mean, I hate to have recommended this to people. I was sure. I was confident. I was really sure. Even when they had that the first losing streak, I'm like, oh, who cares? They're going to be fine. And then they I'm won the five in a row. I'm still somewhat convinced, though. I think they're going to win the next two. beat the Jets in the final. Where is that game? Is that here? It's here, yeah. And the Patriot okay. game, and Mayo wasn't wrong. The Patriot game, the weather is supposed to be solid. Like, yeah. uh, the Patriots are, are, look, the defense is fine. Their offense Patriots is are okay. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, their offense I, is horrendous. I think the Dolphins are a slightly better team than the Patriots. At this I mean, their offense is horrendous. Like, their offense is really bad. Like, literally, if Joe Burrow didn't just hand them two like the one was in the red zone so that the Bengals yeah. lost points and the other one he literally threw right to the dude who walked in for a touchdown the game was over their offense is dreadful 
So if the weather's good, the Dolphins should win that game. And even without yeah. Tua, like, there's enough guys where Bridgewater should do his stupid Bridgewater thing and be conservative and make a few plays. I just don't know at this point. Like, they're just handing over games. So I, I just don't I don't know what to do with this team. They've had leads in the fourth quarter or in the second half of almost all these games. Getting shut out in the second half by the Green Bay Packers. Uh, yeah, that was, was no weird. Great distinction. Uh, the Packers defensively had been allowing uh, marginal uh, numbers of points in, in uh, their previous couple of contests. I think they uh, were averaging giving up like 20 points a game, which is what they did against the Miami Dolphins. Might have been under 20 points a game, like 17.6 or something. Uh, but uh, still, I mean, at home, in uh, what, what you would have to say, you know, were favorable conditions coming out of the first half because you're still leading 20 to 3. Uh, 13. Yes. Um, I, I did not think uh, Mayo's pinpointing that Mostert fumble and saying that that was a big turning point in the game. I hated uh, it. It was, I, I think, just a, a minor setback because they did hold him to a field goal uh, after the uh, after the fumble was recovered. And, and uh, look, you're figuring, okay, based on this, uh, they're going to win this game with 40 points and uh, win it in a runaway. Uh, they, they were hitting on a lot of pass plays, yep, and uh, yep. they were running the ball effectively. Everybody says McDaniel goes away from the run in the second half. Um, I, I I don't know. I guess uh, he did it again, right? They didn't run the ball too much he, the second half of that game. But I wouldn't have been afraid of uh, giving the ball to Raheem Mostert. He, he doesn't. He's not a guy with fumbleitis. This no. isn't a guy you have to worry about. I didn't like the fumble, but I mean Wilson Jr. is healthy, so you could give it to him, and you could give it. Mostert wasn't going to become a fumbling fool. Like no, he just the, the amazing thing in watching pro football is that these guys don't fumble more. No, well, that's the thing. They get rocked every uh, freaking time. Rot. Six guys all grabbing at the ball, poking helmets at the ball, trying to punch it out of there. Uh, you're fighting for extra yardage in there. I, I, I'm amazed that there aren't more fumbles by running backs in a National Football League. Although, you know, with uh, homage being paid, uh, he, he did check out, right, Sammy Smith? Is he gone I or think, is he still around? I don't know. I thought, I thought I saw a post from him yesterday. So let's, I oh, think okay. He's alive. So then he's very much alive and kicking. I think he's alive, yeah. But uh, Sammy went through his uh, share of travails, but I, it probably was the ugliest moment he's I've alive. ever seen. He's alive. He's 55. He's, he's, oh, good. he's okay. alive. Let's not pronounce him dead. I don't want to kill him off there because uh, he went through a lot, Sammy Smith, in the uh, postscript to his uh, NFL career, which you would have to consider what was uh, a major disappointment. Oh, yeah. Considering, uh, you know, uh, the lofty expectations that he had. Uh, he, he, uh, he was a fumbling. When, when he got booed in that Houston game, when, when he fumbled the ball like six times in the first half, uh, that that was the cruelest I've ever seen a crowd here in South Florida towards any uh, home team player. Sammy Smith. I, I, I felt badly as he was leaving the field at halftime. I remember being at that game and uh, thinking, my God, uh, this poor sucker doesn't deserve this. I mean, uh, you know, he's made a few mistakes in a ball game. that They're obviously tragic in terms of the result. But uh, really, I mean, uh, the kind of stuff that was being hurled at uh, Sammy Smith verbally as he went to the locker room at halftime, was such ugliness, Luby, that uh, I was almost embarrassed to be a part of that whole scene. I really yeah, was. I, feel, I remember him fumbling it every, every time he touched it. Man, he couldn't hang on to the football. Wow. I, just, I remember he'd get into a role, and you're like, oh, that's why they drafted him. Nice. He looks like his Florida State days. And then they get up to the goal line. Fumble. <laughs> I mean, Shulman thought he had a pass-catching Zonka. He was, he's so talented. A combination <laughs> of Zonka, Merck, and uh, Jim Kick all rolled into one. He had a lot of talent, man, but he can hold on to that ball to save his life. No, no. <laughs> so I, I don't rough. remember. Uh, didn't he also have hands of stone as a pass catcher? I just remember him always, whenever you'd be like, oh, look. Uh. You would almost rather have Farrell Edmonds underneath the pass, <laughs> settling in under a bomb, oh, thinking, okay, this will be a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs>
Balls in the air. I mean, Farrell Edmonds had, uh, I mean, he, he was Manos de Piedra. Unbelievable. All right, uh, we're coming back with more. Uh, I'm Jeff DeForest. Chris Perkins is going to join us here shortly. Yes. I'm Jeff DeForest. He is Mike Luby Lewitz. We're also uh, brought to you by Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. Yes. That's mile marker 104 on the Overseas Highway in Key Largo. Luby, I hope you're working diligently on I'm trying. I haven't heard back from them. Somewhere uh, in the postseason, I think we'll be there. It'll be fine with me. That'll be fine, man. It'll be a beautiful day. I mean, uh, why not be down there in January? That, that works out perfectly if we can get a hold of Jimmy. All right, uh, we'll, we'll be back with more in a moment. Now that. Good time. 8-14. Hey, folks. Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere. Not too loud, but good energy. Reasonable prices. And a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food, amazing atmosphere, good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched, steaks hand cut every day, everything, and I mean everything is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at mile marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at mile marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066. Look at our, I mean, if you look at our organization today, you've seen what we've done, you know, from every aspect except on the playing field, we're probably the first-class organization in the National Football League. It's now time for the Defoe Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Albert Castillo, by the way, uh, was the uh, special guest at the uh, Monday Night Jam. Nice. At the Funky Biscuit. I haven't seen Albert. Packed house, packed house. And uh, they, they say he just slayed it. I didn't get nice. a chance to go. I didn't realize it until uh, it was too late. And, you know, with the uh, with the bad toe, didn't feel like uh, schlepping out there and being in a packed house uh, where people are sort of walking around in the dark there. And uh, you never know, right? But Albert uh, slayed it. And, and, of course, uh, we reference Albert because he customized some music for us, so we don't have to worry about – at least that's one entity. We don't have to worry about uh, filing a lawsuit, <laughs> and that would be music rights. <laughs> Unless Castelia changes, uh, you know, his heart or mind and, and just says, uh, you know what, those guys should have at least paid for the studio time while I customize that music. But, uh, very nice and uh, glad to see his career – uh, he, he was a little down, man. I mean, the music industry was hit hard by COVID, especially that these guys that count on uh, touring and, and uh, live appearances to make their money. Uh, you know, and, and Albert was doing easily, what, uh, 250 shows a year. Uh, all of a sudden, all of that goes down and, and you're sitting home all day practicing on the acoustic and hoping that your dog uh, understands, you know, the message of your music. That, uh, that really is a deflating thing. So it got a little down, but uh, now... Psh- yeah, he's been touring constantly. The top. He's like top of charts yeah, and like going doing gold great. and doing great. His records are uh, you know doing well. Touring around with Mike Zeno as the uh, Blood Brothers and uh, also individually uh, touring Europe and uh, doing all kinds of great stuff. Joe Bonamassa getting involved. 
with uh, their projects. Uh, you know, you, you can't be doing any better. He's at the epitome and the height uh, of what it was that he chose to do, which is always the good thing, right? My brother always said this to me, uh, Louie. He said, it doesn't matter about uh, the money or whatever. My brother uh, happens to be uh, very uh, successful yeah, exactly. and wealthy on his own, uh, having uh, made big scores in a couple of different businesses uh, during his lifetime. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he, he's an interesting cat in that, uh, you know, while, while maybe highly antisocial uh, during most of his life, uh, he, he, he lives uh, like an Anthony Bourdain type of lifestyle, right? Where, uh, you know, he, he sold a business a long time ago and, and then uh, took the next seven years off and lived like on a sailboat outside of Venezuela somewhere. What? And uh, Yeah, yeah, diving for lobster. Really? And, you know, yeah, yeah. I oh, mean, shit. You know, the guy with a pile, with a shitload of money, too. So and then he came in and he got invested in, uh, you know, South uh, Beach real estate. Can you imagine? Oh, good for him. Bought like the crappiest buildings around the area. I mean, real decrepit pieces of shit. And uh, cashed out recently for, uh, you know, several million dollars. So, Jesus, uh, good for him. you know, he, he could uh, pretty much do whatever he wants. But but he always said to me, Luby, and, and this is probably true. One day, Shirley will look at you and say the same thing. She hasn't. That, uh, <laughs> she says the you did in your lifetime what you always wanted to do. Right. And very few people get to do that. Oh, no one gets to do that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, that's been been our calling. And, and there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, if you're just pursuing what it is that you really love to do. And, and that's Albert. And, and, and you like to see guys like that succeed. It's fantastic. This is another guy that I think is doing exactly what he set out to do. I bet if you go back to his elementary school uh, yearbook, if they had one, uh, not only was the, the editor and publisher, but he probably made the statement, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to be the number one featured guy on the Miami Dolphins beat after a sensational career with a very diverse background in various uh, sports coverage aspects, what with the, uh, you know, Sun Sentinel and many other newspapers, the great Chris Perkins joins us here on the show. Chris, how are you, my friend? Defo, at my age, I think my yearbook was done with a uh, piece of uh, granite and a chisel, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> far back to my yearbook goes. <laughs> I always thought that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you were a fan of Dragnet, Jack Webb. I mean, yeah. uh, just give me the facts. But uh, uh, the show was produced by a thing called Mark 7 Productions, which uh, they were very prominent. And that was their logo at the end. Yeah. They had Our, Mark yeah. 7 chiseled in rock. I and I thought, uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of yeah. uh, the primitive approach that uh, we're taking to. Uh, yeah, they they printed my yearbook. Yeah, yeah, those are the guys. That's the ones. Yeah. All right. Uh, in the throes of a fork, uh, and Chris, of course, uh, for the uh, people that, that and very few people would be unfamiliar with uh, Chris Perkins and, and his work because he's been on a national stage as well uh, with many of his enterprises. But uh, covering the Dolphins as their primary uh, beat writer now for the South Florida Sun Sentinel. And um, did you picture yourself in the throes? I mean, having to analyze the throes of a four game losing streak back when the Dolphins were eight and three. Did that look like it was a distinct possibility? No, no, the, the, the three-game losing streak to me was kind of an outside shot. I thought they were going to get one of those games, uh, you know, the two California games and the Buffalo. I thought they'd get one of those Californias, probably the Chargers game. And when Everybody they didn't that. do that, yeah, that, that was a bad sign. But this this loss, this Green Bay loss, Defoe, you know, you granted you're facing Aaron Rodgers, a Hall of Fame quarterback, but this is a losing team coming into your house you know, where you had won 11 of the past 12 games. And, and you know, th this is now the Dolphins' uh, first 0 for December since 1993. And we remember wow. that year, right? They were 9-2. and two. They lose the last five. The last game they won was that Leon Lett game against Dallas in the, in the wow. snow. That, and, and they lose five straight and they miss the playoffs. 
you people who are still on for eight and a hook, I think yes. you're okay. <laughs> I think you're okay. I, I, I say that every week. I, I've been saying that for the last month. I I'm gargling with okay. Delauded. What are you talking about? <laughs> eight and a hook. Well, I, I believe they beat the Jets, but uh, I hope know, they won before that. Who knows what happens if they go down in uh, New England? No, but uh, if they uh, lose in New England and beat the Jets, do they make the postseason? I want to say yes to that. Well, they they can. Uh, well, yeah, they can, but it's 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 going to be a lot tougher. They're they're going to need a little bit of help. So, oh yeah, uh, okay. You know, it's it's they they need to win this game. They needed to win uh, the last game, the the Green Bay game. But it, you know, basically, uh, it was a race to get to ten victories. Now you you can get in at nine if if they win this week and then the Jets lose at Seattle or to Seattle. I can't remember where they are. Okay. Uh, then the Dolphins are in, so you could get in with nine wins, but uh, you know the the ten win path is is more desirable because you won't be limping in at, at nine wins. You'll be kind of shooting in with back to back victories at ten. I'm thinking the uh, Dolphins do get that help. That that game is in Seattle yeah. uh, with the uh, New York Jets, and uh, for some reason, uh, for some reason, the Jets are favored by two points in that game. What would be? Uh, I mean. Why would you think that? I know they're starting Mike White, and that uh, they love him in New York. Uh, how is that possible that the Jets would be favored if they're on the road against the Seahawks? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. See, Seahawks are kind of uh, leaking Amen. a little bit of oil here. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, the Jets with their quarterback problems. Uh, you know, that's that. By the way, uh, Broward County's Mike White, right? To uh, university school, so he's a, he's oh, a yeah. local really? And, and speak, we could get two locals in the finale with Teddy Bridgewater and, and Mike White if, if uh, you know, if, if things uh, continue the way they are with Tua. Ugh. Miramar versus University. Uh, right, that'd be right, like going exactly. back to the old high school beat that we were on. That's it. Yeah. Um, I, I, well, I mean, now, now what's the story uh, with Tua? Because yeah, uh, okay. awesome. I mean, now that I've seen the thing a few times, I mean, uh, you, you covered a lot of boxing, Chris. Uh, you, you'd see a guy and his head would hit the canvas. And you're thinking that shot to the jaw was one thing, but uh, the bouncing of the head off the canvas, which is kind of uh, how these concussions have incurred yes, it's or been incurred by uh, Tua Tagovailoa. Um, but but he plays the second half and has no complaint. Now, uh, sure, there there could be you know a delayed reaction to something like that, where uh, you know you don't realize that you're hurt at the time, and you know later on, all of a sudden your head is throbbing. Which I guess what uh, he, he started to have headaches. So yes. what what was the story there? Well, uh, first of all, hello to uh, Mike Mayo on the on the text line, and hello to Scott because Scott's always out there on the text line. Uh, but you, you know the the deal. I, I don't know the deal with Tua. He's a small quarterback, yep. but you know the way that he's fallen down. You know that Anytime. the hit from from Matt Milano from Buffalo wasn't an especially vicious hit. Tua just fell and, and hit his head. Same yes. thing against Cincinnati with yep, uh, Josh yep. uh, Tupo, I believe is how you pronounce his, his last name. And and then with, with this tackle, like none of them have been like vicious blindside hits where Tua was was violently thrown to the to the ground. They've just been kind of typical tackles that a quarterback takes. And that's really what, what disturbs you. And, and that's what kind of bugs you a little bit um, from, from, you know, Tua personally, I'm sure it disturbs him because he's wondering why is this happening? This, this never happened in college or the NFL. He was injury prone, but not the head oh, hitting gosh. the ground. And then if you're the Dolphins, obviously, can you extend this guy's contract? Like th this seems like a thing that, it's 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 a higher risk than somebody blowing out their knee again. This is a thing that you know, and, and also let let's look at it like this. Um, strategically, if Tua is out there 
and knowing his his um his his concussion history, his kid injury history, uh, the quarterback draw off the table, the quarterback scramble off the table, the quarterback sneak on fourth and one off the table, and and so strategically, if you're the Dolphins, are you at a disadvantage playing Tua moving forward? If I'm a defense, I'm not scared of this guy running. His his career could be on the line, and so. You know, those are the types of things that you have to think about. Obviously, Tua as a father and a person is number one. But strategically, if you're the Dolphins, can you extend this guy's contract? And are you at a strategic disadvantage when he's on the field from the standpoint the other team knows Tua isn't and can't run with the ball? Burke, as of yet, I haven't seen anywhere where they have officially said he had a concussion. People assume the concussion protocol. Oh, there it is. No, the Dolphins have been very clear in saying, we are not sure. We didn't hide anything. No one knew anything was wrong except for that one guy who took the video from his couch. Like, they, they, they are on him. He's been on it. The minute he felt anything, he went to them. The minute he went to them, they went and put him right in. So they've done everything they're supposed to do. They've even gone above and beyond in a way a lot of people haven't. Um... But to this point, I still haven't seen anyone say he had a concussion. And I feel like that's exactly what they're waiting for. What is the word on that? Will we ever get word that he officially? Because that first time, we still haven't gotten that with, from the, when, uh, what was it? Not the Bengals. What was it? The Bills? When they, Bills. when he walked weird and they did a bruder like thing to look at the walk. Like sure. they never said he officially had a concussion. Like have they officially said he has a concussion? Will they? Will we hear that? If he, if he has a concussion, they will officially say that he has a concussion. But okay. at, at this point, Luby, I, I think that's almost beside the point. We're, we're okay. kind of just looking at head trauma okay. here okay. as opposed to a diagnosed concussion. Okay. And with head trauma, um, you know, is he going to be forced into concussion protocol? And, and professionally, um, if you're the Dolphins, you know, are you going to be losing this guy for four games a year while he's in concussion protocol, whether he has a concussion or not? Yeah. It, that, that seems to be a very real risk. And again, these aren't vicious hits. These are pretty much typical Coming. tackles that a quarterback is going to take in the course of a game. So, uh, you know, can you extend this guy's contract? Can you? And, and look, here, here's the other deal on the Dolphins that we know that they've pretty much opened a two or three year championship window yep. because you acquired Tyreek, you acquired Teron Armstead, you acquired uh, Bradley Chubb, you used first round picks. Well, you lost one first round pick, but, but you, you, you've used first round picks. So your means of getting a new quarterback are fairly limited in the next couple of years. So um, you're, you're almost, almost married to Tua at this point. And so now what do you do? You're, you're kind of stuck. You've got to kind of figure a way around this thing. Uh, you know, I, I always think, uh, you know, because it's such a, a vague uh, gray area, uh, you know, what the impact of uh, a concussion is and, you know, what, what uh, you know, the uh, possible uh, consequences would be of uh, sending a guy out there who was still concussed and, uh, you know, how it's going to impact the guy's life uh, overall. And uh, I remember I happened to be watching uh, the race where, where Dale Earnhardt was killed. And if you saw the crash, it, it, it was weird because it didn't look like much. You know, you, you'll see these guys get involved in fiery crashes where the car rolls over 17 times and then hits a wall and ends up in the stands. Guy gets up and walks away, waves to the crowd. And uh, I remember seeing this uh, like sort of marginal incident and, uh, I think I think the uh, commentator was uh, one of the wall trips and he said those are the kind of crashes where you have significant consequences because it doesn't look like much but 
those are the kind that are dangerous. And sure enough, the, the guy checked out. And I, I'm thinking, you know, you, you can't marginalize any level of concussion if there is fear that this is, you know, part of the problem or a consequence of getting hit uh, like Tua has, uh, where his head keeps landing on the grass and hitting and bouncing up. Because, uh, you know, we just don't know. I mean, th- those may be the worst in terms of, uh, you know, potentially developing CTE and uh, maybe, you know, uh, making the guy lean towards, uh, you know, saying uh, hey, maybe this isn't my game. The other thing you mentioned, too, which is really interesting to me, uh, was because I, I thought about this a couple of times now in recent weeks where, uh, you know, the strategic disadvantage you have when you have a quarterback that uh, doesn't doesn't really take off and run a lot. Uh, now, we thought when, when drafted that this was going to be one of his key characteristics was that uh, he presented uh, more of a dual threat than a lot of guys that don't pass the ball as accurately as he does, uh, you know, the Kyler Murray types or whatever. And um, yet, if you look at these big strapping quarterbacks like uh, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, they're all big threats when they take off and run. And, and they run a lot of design plays for these guys to just, you know, go ahead and, and act like they're Larry Zonka. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so yeah, so you you do wonder, and and again, you know, I I feel like I have to keep saying, you know, Tua and his and his life are number one. We know that, but the, yeah. but yeah, strategically, I mean, that's why we're talking about Tua, right? Because he's the Dolphins' quarterback, and they have to plan for the future. Uh, really, with the future starting, you know, with the Patriots game, and and then going beyond. So, um, yeah, you're you're Tua presents a lot of unforeseen problems, and when he came out of Alabama and he had the hip injury and you, you were kind of thinking, all right, this guy is injury prone, but nobody had head trauma on the list, you know, and and you might've thought shoulder, elbow, the hip, blah, blah, blah. But this is just a totally different animal. And and so it, it it just seems so wildly unpredictable. And look, there might've been a precedent set last week from the standpoint of the guy with the, as, as, as uh, Luby said, the guy sitting on his couch, taking the video. You remember how in golf people would send in videos from home all the time. And, you know, guys are having strokes erased. I mean, who who knows what happens with Tua going forward with people putting videos out there. Hey, his head hit the ground. And uh, again, this is the dolphins and the future. This is head trauma. This isn't necessarily being diagnosed with a concussion. Who knows how this might influence the spotter moving forward when Tua is on the field. So unfortunately, this this opens up a lot of doors or or potentially opens up a lot of doors for Tua and the Dolphins as far as, you know, can we play this guy? Can we trust that he's going to remain on the field? Even if you extend his contract and put in team loopholes that you can get out of the contract after so many years or this reason, you're still setting the team back. So now what? You go to Skylar Thompson as your starter or Teddy Bridgewater, like the whole thing kind of starts over again. So um, it's a it's a it's a very delicate situation. Fortunately, neither the Dolphins nor Tua needs an answer today, but uh, we're all looking forward. And and um, right now it's it's looking it's not very favorable for Tua or the Dolphins as we sit right now. Well, and speaking of right now, it is, it's not Monday. Today's Wednesday. <laughs> like they have to start announcing health, announcing lineups, announcing what's going on this weekend. This is a huge game. As you guys were just talking about, what is the sense you're getting? Cause Bridgewater got majority of first team snaps yesterday to his in protocol now. So he can't do anything right now. You need a certain amount of time to get out there and play. That's what happened before it was even when he was sort of cleared, he still couldn't play cause he couldn't get out there. 
What is the sense you're getting for this weekend? My sense is Teddy Bridgewater gets the start this week. And, and you know, today is going to be their first full practice. Monday they came in and watched video. Yesterday was the day off. Today is going to be the first full practice. Uh, they said that they had planned for Teddy to get the majority of the first team snaps. I think that's going to happen. Very interesting. You know, Teddy last week was his first week back in a while. He had been sidelined with the knee injury, and Skylar Thompson had been the backup quarterback for the for you know I don't know the previous three or four games whatever it was so uh, it, it's I don't know if Teddy has any rust to knock off but I will say this and and shout out to uh, Jim Sarney who's also on the uh, text line there um, you know the 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 games that those quarterbacks Teddy and Skyler started or or that they played um, the Dolphins did have a chance in the fourth quarter in two of those Cincinnati game the Dolphins lose twenty seven to fifteen but they led 15 to 14 going into the fourth quarter. Tua goes out at halftime. Yep. Xavier Howard goes out in the fourth quarter, and then Joe Burrow goes crazy. crazy. They score 13 fourth quarter points, and they win. Uh, the Jets game was a disaster. They lose 40 to 17, but the the uh, Minnesota game that Teddy Bridgewater started, and by the way, that Jets game, you remember Teddy started. He got knocked out yep. on the first play. Sauce Gardner, then, then uh, right, Skyler comes in. Skyler starts. Um, you know, the the the, the uh, Minnesota game, Teddy, Teddy finishes it up. But you remember they were down they were they were down 16 to 10 in the fourth quarter against Minnesota and driving yep. Jalen Waddle fumbles at the 14. And so then Minnesota takes that and, and goes back the other way and they win uh, 24 to 16. So, um, you know, the, the Dolphins were in it. And to me, if you're the 14, the, the backup quarterback. What, what you do is you keep the team in the game until the fourth quarter, right? And and then it's up to Xavier Howard and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and, and Mike McDaniel and all these people to deliver the victory. So to me, whoever starts this week as the backup quarterback, keep the Dolphins in the game till the fourth quarter and let your high-priced, uh, you know, the other guys take you home to the victory and to the playoffs. Chris Perkins, South Florida Sun Sentinel. He's the uh, Dolphins beat writer and uh... – one more thing on the uh, Dolphins, and I want to uh, kind of uh, you know move on to uh, a couple of other things that are happening in the National Football League. But uh, and I guess it's a two-part uh, question here. Um, you know, you, you mentioned too, and they have to decide whether to make a commitment to the guy. Uh, you know, because or you know, and based somewhat on whether or not he they consider him injury prone and, and how severe these you know concussions are and, and how that equates out to uh, you know a possible you know uh, in, inhibiting his play in the future or possibly inhibiting his play in the future. Uh, but uh, on the merits of what we've seen him do, w- would you be inclined to extend his contract for uh, another four years for, you know, $130 million? And then number two, is uh, Mike McDaniel becoming bizarrely more uh, existential in his conversations about what happened during a game as the losing streak is mounted? I mean, where, uh, you know, and now you, you almost need an interpreter to figure out what this guy is saying. <laughs> <laughs> What, what do you think? I mean, what's going on there with that dynamic? I mean, would you, if you were at Chris Greer right now and, and, you know, it was a, okay, take it or leave it situation today. Would you have a contract extension on the table for Tua, not based on physicality, let's say that was fine, but based on his play. And, and then uh, McDaniel, I mean, uh, what do we think of him at this stage of the season? Well, with Tua, um, I you know, with, with Tua, the Dolphins have the option of the fifth-year extension, and then you can extend his contract. Actually, okay. you can go fifth-year extension, 
franchise tag, franchise tag, and then yeah, um, you know that. the extension. That's kind of what lo- lo- what that would be the route. Is going it's through now. Been, he's been good to, to, do that. to answer your question, uh, no, I would not extend him right now because of the injury thing. Uh, yeah. um, and, and performance wise, yes, I, I would have because you know th- this seems to be a, you know you you kind of know that Tua is limited. He doesn't have that big arm like Justin Herbert. But you can work with him. You could you could win a championship with him. I think uh, as long now that's provided you have Tyreek Hill and uh, Jalen Waddle and and you know Mike McDaniel and some creativity around him. Um, you could work with Tua and possibly win a championship. But uh, so so based on performance before this default, I probably would have definitely had the fifth year extension on the table. I don't know about the. The, the full contract, you know, the full five-year thing, but I, I would have extended them to the fifth year. As far as McDaniel, man, uh, I, I will say this, you know, this is a very serious situation with the two ahead injury, but before this, McDaniel was still joking around during the three-game losing streak, um, and, and that was something that he did earlier in the season, even though the stakes are a lot more grave in December. So I credit Mike McDaniel for still being Mike McDaniel, for still being true to himself. He, he hasn't changed and gotten snippy and, and started, you know, um, you know, getting snippy with reporters and all that. He's still joking around. Now, it, 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 things have gotten a little more serious. And I'll say this, Depot, as teams have figured out this offense, um, stuff is not as funny with McDaniel, right? And and wow. so he has All changed right. from that standpoint. Because look, and, and, and this week, we know that Bill Belichick takes something away from your offense. And increasingly during this, during this losing streak, I think teams have thought, you know what? This is a two-trick pony offense. If we can sit on Tyreek and sit on Jalen Waddle, they can't beat us. They have no running game. They don't have a move the chains offense. It's a big play offense. And if we can limit those big plays, We've got the Dolphins. And and so now it's time for McDaniel to come up with a counterpoint to that. Um, you know, you've got Mike Gesicki there. You, you've got Raheem Mostert in the running game. You, you, you've got to come up with something. You've got to distribute the ball differently, whether it's running it more or hitting more receivers. We'll see what he does. But we know Belichick is going to have something that's even more than what the the 49ers showed you and the Chargers showed you and the Bills showed you and the Packers showed you because he's Bill freaking Belichick. (laughs) This is what he does. This is how he's gotten to the Hall of Fame. So let's see how McDaniel comes up with a counter to whatever Belichick is going to do. Well, you saw this uh, pretty clearly illustrated with Green Bay, and uh, we've seen it in a few uh, other games in this four-game losing streak, uh, San Francisco in particular, uh, you know, condensing the middle of the field and anticipating these throws uh, underneath sort of to uh, Hill and Waddle where they've been dynamite. I mean, they had Waddle with that uh, dynamic play where he goes for 84 yards, a uh, one-play drive, and the Dolphins seem to be, uh, you know, in command of that game after Green Bay had put a score on the board. Um, and, and uh, you know, you saw this linebacker clearly drift over knowing that uh, – you know, Tua, who actually telegraphed his pass. I mean, he, he looked in one direction and then threw the ball, and, and he just drifted into the spot. It, it was almost uh, – remember when uh, – was it Keith Byers uh, had gone to the Patriots and everybody was assuming that uh, he had tipped off the Patriots? That This was a common habit of Belichick, which I thought was also one of his genius traits, is he would acquire a guy from the team he was about to play yeah. and, and then sit him down with a big light in front of his face and say, tell me everything that they did. <laughs> right. And Byers, I guess it was Mike Vrabel that made the interception on a Marino pass where it seemed like Vrabel knew what Marino was going to do long before Marino even had the play sent in. 
and, and that's kind of what happened on that uh, second of the three interceptions. I, I know he sailed one on the first pass, yeah. and, uh, you know, it seemed to just make a, an impossibly poor decision on the third one. But uh, linebacker just slides over, knowing that this this is what he does, and he, he kind of telegraphed it. And uh, it made you think either this guy is seeing bugs or, uh, you know, that there's something inherently wrong here. All right, uh, let's move on from the Tua thing. And, and I think you're right. They probably extend them, giving them one more shot, see if uh, he could play a full season and, and sustain what, what at times has looked like uh, pure brilliance uh, as opposed to uh, some of the stuff that we saw there in the uh, fourth quarter uh, of that game uh, against the Green Bay Packers. So, uh, all right, uh, I, I'm looking at this, and, and I was thinking about this. Uh, obviously, Babe Ruth being sold for money to uh, finance uh, a failing Broadway show, uh, Chris, uh, would go down as the worst deal ever made in, in, in sports history. But is the Russell Wilson trade and subsequent signing I mean, you say George Patton, you think of the general, right? I was going to say, every time I think Patton now, I'm like. (laughs) But now I think of this, uh, you know, uh, GM, who how he keeps his job after this deal. You can clearly see that I I don't see that turning around in in Denver's favor. And and Seattle actually, after losing Russell Wilson, has a better record playing Geno Smith. And they have first and second round picks in in the next two years that are coming from a Denver team that is so bad. That, that those are going to be very valuable first and second round picks. Yep. Uh, and, and meanwhile, they signed Russell Wilson for 800 years. Uh, you know, <laughs> and he, he, what happened? I mean, you know the term shot fighter. Does he not look like a shot fighter to you? Well, I, I'll say this about Russell Wilson. Now, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, but let, let's face it. During the early years of his career, when he had the most success, they won because of Beast Mode and Legion of Boom, right? Yeah. It was Marshawn Lynch back there running the ball, and it was that defense that was shutting teams down. And if you look at, at his his um, career passing attempts, they, he was usually in the second half of the league his, his first few years, first four or five years when they had so much success. And as they had to pay guys and that defense broke up, now his passing attempts increase and Seattle's success starts to wane a little bit. And yeah. so I think that's what we're seeing here is that, you know, Denver has to rely on Russell Wilson so much that they're finding out, yeah, that's not really how he succeeded when he was in Seattle. Also in Seattle, I'll, now I'll give Russell Wilson credit. He had one of the worst offensive lines in the league. You know, it was, it was usually Russell Wilson and, and Ryan Tannehill uh, <laughs> in the lead for most sacks. So they're, yeah. for the first few years of their career, they were both in the 2012 draft. And, and so the first four or five years, it was both of them getting sacked most. But again, Russell Wilson had so much help from the run game and the defense that, that that's, to me, that's what led to a lot of his success. And now he's out there exposed and Denver is finding out, hey, that this guy needs some help and, and they don't have the resources to get it. So to me, that's kind of what you're seeing in Denver right now. You, you made this deal. You, you uh, loaded up a contract that has $160 million in guaranteed dollars. Uh, you, you gave away your mortgage, your complete future uh, to Seattle uh, in the process of making this acquisition. And then you chose Nathaniel Hackett to be oh. your head coach. Oh, yeah. Now, did this guy have some kind of slip and fall at a Walmart? Uh, it's George Patton. I mean, how does Hackett get canned in his first year and they don't send this guy packing as well? 
Yeah, no, it, it's crazy. This is like the Republican is... Party. No responsibility for January 6th. <laughs> nothing. We had nothing to do with it. <laughs> nothing. There was another day at the office. The first disappointing thing is it's pronounced Peyton. It's George Peyton. Oh, it is. Oh, Peyton. Okay. Okay. But, but that's fine. But yeah, there's only I mean, one T in there. You're right. Yeah, right. So but this guy has got to, he's got to be in the crosshairs for a lot of Seattle, for Denver fans, oh, right? For, for, yeah, the way that he has really kind of gutted this franchise and, and, you know, he, he put it, he put so much on, on Russell Wilson. And again, you know, I, I think that a lot of Russell's success was beast mode and Legion of Boom. And why George Payton couldn't see this and others couldn't see this, I, I don't know. But they're in a bad situation. They're in a very bad situation. It, it looks like they're probably derailed for a couple of years uh, because of what they did to acquire Russell Wilson. And, and this thing is, is just... It, it gets more disastrous every week, it seems. Plus, they're stuck with Wilson. I mean, they can't get any better while this guy is, uh, you know, in, in what appears to be I mean, a radical drop-off. I, I will say this for Russell Wilson. Uh, you would watch him, and, you know, people were, you know, considering him among the greats uh, with Aaron Rodgers and Brady when he was in his prime. And, uh, you know, he did come up with some spectacular big plays. At, at, at certain times, and, and whether it was running or passing the ball, he, he sort of surprised you with his ability to throw the ball long, and he, he was always a threat to take off and make something happen uh, with his legs. And he did account for a lot of big plays uh, for Seattle. I'll, I'll give him that. Uh, but, I mean, if you were watching him recently, you thought, wow, I mean, there are signs of decline. And then this year, I mean, not only is uh, the passing game horrendous, but they don't even attempt to do anything. I mean, He's looking, uh, you know, at making clown plays on like uh, what what is going to be a drop off in the flat, and uh, you know that this is something that you wouldn't have anticipated at all from a guy that was going to come in and save a franchise. So they're doomed. How, how this guy has uh, employment today is not like trying to help people run the automatic cashier, the automated cashier at, at like a Denver Walmart is it, <laughs> beyond my uh, comprehension. All right, uh, let me ask you about a couple of teams here real quick and, and whether or not you think they are going to win the championship. Philadelphia Eagles, are they going to win the championship? Ooh, I, at this point, I don't know who's going to win the championship, but Philly is as good a bet as anybody. And okay. look, I, I'm a guy, yeah, I'm, I'm old school, and, and I like the defense and run game teams. And again, that's how Seattle did it, right? And there's a lot of teams that if you look at them, you know, I know the quarterbacks get a lot of credit, but I, I like teams such as the 2015 Broncos, right? That that when Peyton Manning went out, Brock Osweiler steps in, and they're still able to win the no-fly zone defense. That, look, those two quarterbacks combined for 19 touchdowns and 23 interceptions, <laughs> and they won a Super Bowl in the passing era. Same wow. thing with 2017 Philly. When Nick Foles comes in, Carson Wentz is going to be an MVP, right? He has 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and then Nick Foles comes in, but they win because of defense and run game. Nick Foles gets the Super Bowl MVP. He gets that huge contract. But we see that he's just a regular quarterback. And so I, I'm, I'm building around to that's kind of how Philly is winning this year. I know Jalen Hurts is in the MVP conversation, but that defense, again, led by Fletcher Cox and all those guys, uh, defense and run game. And so that's that's why I kind of like Philly, uh, a team that can maintain. Uh, I know they, they lost to Dallas last week, but you put up a pretty good fight when, when Jalen Hurts was out. And, and look, Depot, when we talk about um, what's happening to Russell Wilson and, and the quarterbacks and how much you pay him, 
Dak Prescott is one of those guys who I'm very wary about. Uh, Dallas had to pay him, but he's another guy. Okay, you, you've got Zeke and Pollard, and you've got Micah Parsons, and to me, that's how that team is winning. They had success when Dak was out. I like the way that they're built, but, you know, when you pay all these quarterbacks, you better look at the reason why they're successful. Um, and, and I think that Dak is a guy who gets a lot of assistance, and, and so – you, you did have to pay him, but, the, you know, as we look at Tua and some of these other quarterbacks, you know, Lamar Jackson, all these guys who are coming up, you better know why this guy wins before you give him the money. Well, and it's interesting you talk about quarterbacks because it's it's the reason why I actually like this team the most. Their quarterback situation should be the most dire, but somehow Brock Purdy came in not only confident versus the Dolphins, uh, with no reason to be confident, now they've won, what, four? Four with him? Is it four in a row with him? They've won like seven or eight in a row just as a team. So now he has a reason to be confident, and that's my problem for the Eagles is they're good at defense and running. They're not the Niners. <laughs> the Niners are better at defense and running, and they have a coach who's now failed twice in Super Bowls as both an offensive coordinator and a head coach. So you're hoping Shanahan's learned, okay, when we get there, let's do the simple thing and not try and be smart, Jimmy G and Matt Ryan. You know, like, that's the thing with the Eagles to me is, yes, Hurts is the better quarterback on paper. The Niners are scary. Like, and they're doing it with Purdy, who's actually getting better. That's my only thing for the Eagles is, like, I think with their way of doing it's good. The Niners are better. At least, that, at least to me, they feel more scary. Movie going with the popular choice. Are yeah, popular? no, I, 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 I agree. <laughs> I don't know. I, I agree, Luffy, and, and and look, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I like to. I know that this league is so is quarterback heavy, and that's how you sell mm. tickets, and that's how you get TV viewers. But yeah, you you got to look at how some of these teams are actually winning, and you're right on the head with San Francisco, and that's what Philly is doing, that's what Dallas is doing. There's a lot of look. That's how New England got to the playoffs last year was defense and run game. That's how Matt Jones got to the. Pro Bowl, he had 22 touchdowns and 13 interceptions, for goodness sake. They didn't win 10 games because of Matt Jones. They won because of defense and run game, and Matt Jones just didn't screw it up. And so that might be the case with our Super Bowl champion this year, whoever wins it, is that the quarterback is the guy who made some timely plays as opposed to the guy who put the team on his back and threw it 40 times and won them the Super Bowl. All right, we have Bills-Bengals as the Monday night football game this week. Uh, so that, that's a major attraction. And, and of course, uh, many uh, you know subtle things still to be decided, which uh, you think might be the trigger to go into the Super Bowl if these two teams ultimately survive the earlier rounds. But um, a, a lot at stake. I mean, the Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, A, competing for the opening round bye, and, and then B, uh, also at stake, would be a possible home field advantage which uh, you would think either way that that was going to be uh, somewhat crucial. Chiefs playing at home, obviously, are are very good. And the Buffalo Bills uh, in uh, in late January in Buffalo, well, we see what that's all about if they even play the game there. But uh, uh, so how how vital is this? And and who do you think ultimately survives between the Chiefs and the, I I guess, I mean, the Cincinnati still have a chance to be the number one seed. Especially if they win this weekend, all three are in it. All those three, I mean, uh, give us a little shell game. Who comes out of the mix there and uh, is most likely to be hosting a possible AFC championship game? Man, I, you know, this is like the NFC. I, I really don't know. My, my, my gut says Buffalo. 
Um, and okay. and I, I would I would look, I, I have reasons to cheer for Buffalo, Cincinnati and Kansas City just from a sheerly personal standpoint. Buffalo, I feel so bad for him losing those four straight Super Bowls. Right. You want to see him get one. Cincinnati, Scotty Norwood. Yeah. Yeah. Look, but but Cincinnati played two of the best Super yeah, Bowls yeah, we've yeah. seen. Right. And they, and yes. they lost them both. So yeah. you would kind of like to see them get it. And then Kansas City. I love dynasties, and I would love to see a Kansas City dynasty and Patrick Mahomes as as one of the great quarterbacks of all time, and and challenging, uh, you know, Tom Brady for the seven Super Bowl rings and all that kind of stuff. So selfishly, I have reasons to favor all of them, but I'm 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 gonna pull for Buffalo, and I think that this is Josh Allen's year to 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 kind of lead them, and and of course, you know they. Well, they don't run the ball that well, but they do ha- have a running game led by Josh Allen. They've got a good defense. They're a good team. Uh, I would really like to see them win the Super Bowl, get the number one seed in the AFC, all of that stuff. It, it would be a great thing for that city. I mean, the snowstorm, uh, they, they, well, we, we got lucky being there the week before. We thought that we saw snow Oof. Yeah. this last oh, week. So forget I, about it. You'd still be yeah, there, Buffalo Chris. Buffalo is my favorite, and I think they're the most well-rounded team also in the AFC. Maybe. I mean, uh, you know, you, you could definitely make a case for that. Um, and and uh, the cornerbacks, uh, all interesting. Joe Burrow, Joe Cool, everybody yep. likes him because yep, of, yep. Uh, you know, his kind of approach to the game. Uh, I, I have fallen in love uh, from a personality standpoint with Josh Allen, in yep. addition to the fact that he, he is like Jim Kelly on steroids. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he just seems to be, uh, you know, such an easily likable guy yep. in his uh, approach to everything. And then uh, I, I'm always going to be rooting for Mahomes because um, I, I took insult. Uh, I, I was uh, at a place getting ready, uh, the Funky Biscuit, getting ready to watch a great musical show. And I ran into um, a friend of my brother's uh, who was sitting at the next table. And he introduced me to a guy. And he knew, like, you know, you know how this goes because you're involved in this business. Everybody thinks that they have to ask you a sports question. Okay. Right. Like, uh, they just met you and they know, okay, Chris Perkins, big sports writer, man. Uh, hey, how about Tua? You think they should sign him? Uh, so uh, the guy asked me uh, what I think of Patrick Mahomes. I said, he's great. I, I-, I love him. And-, and he looked at me like I was a complete asshole. And uh, <laughs> almost gave me a little bit of a sour attitude as I was going into what should be a very happy occasion. You're about to see great live music and, uh, you know, share this experience with your friends in a perfect atmosphere. And I thought, hey, fuck you, man. My home's great. <laughs> and I almost got into it. I got sucked into like a, a sports argument like I was going to become morphing to Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> so I don't even remember the guy's name. I do remember the face he made. And uh, I'm thinking, I always want my homes to come out on top now just to screw that guy just because of that guy and, uh, <laughs> right. you know. and, and Devo, the funny thing is he probably tells the story in reverse asshole the forest you can't win rock you can't win chris we love you man thanks You're for hanging man, with Kurt. us uh, we'll it soon. was great uh now i'm not getting the chat line i would imagine there was some commentary there from mike mayo yes, no? mayo jumped in yeah. talking shit about tua yes he did Mayo is a very confused individual. Have you noticed that about him, Chris? I mean, he wants to root for the Dolphins, but he hates the Dolphins. Something happened. When, I guess it was when Huizinga called him to the office there on another matter and, uh, you know, and insulted him, uh, you know, right, right to his face. With henchmen hanging around, so, you know, holding him back so he couldn't throw a punch at Wayne. And I, I think he harbors a grudge. I really do. Well, we know he harbors grudges. Yeah, he's deeply scarred, I think. He's yeah. deeply scarred. Deeply yeah. Scarred. Something happened to him as a kid, man. Somebody yes. took like a toy away from him or something. <laughs>
He's oh, arguing dude. with me about this yesterday, which I, there was no argument. I, it was just an observation. You travel a lot, right? right. Have you noticed this, Chris Perkins, that, that there, there's been an incredible spike in, in uh, the tab that you get at an airport bar o- o- over, you know, recent times? Like, I mean, you used to go, okay, you knew you were going to get whacked. Uh, you right, know, right. you might pay $55 for, you know, three drinks, Okay. Now right. it's a stick, no matter what you get. If right. you throw in a bag of Fritos, you know, it's like $110. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I write all this stuff off to supply chain issues, Depot. <laughs> uh, they, they, the, airport, the airports might be robbing us blind. This might yeah, be a oh, whole, uh, yeah, this could be a whole airline scam that they're pulling on us and they're splitting the profits. Southwest yes. and American, JetBlue, they're all laughing at us. Right. But I just, I just write it off to supply chain issues and, and I well, to the sunset. Yeah. <laughs> when you turn in those uh, bar tabs from the uh, airport, do they get questioned when you uh, go to uh, human resources? I mean, wh- what happens there when uh, that's on your expense account? You know, I, I asked the guy the last time, I, you know, and I, I, look, Mayo thought I was crying about this. Look, I understand. I, I go to casinos. I, I bet on horses. I, I know what it's like to put money up in smoke or, uh, you know, get robbed in a situation. But I actually asked the bartender, when do they drop the puck for the first period? Because the only time I paid these prices was at a hockey game, for God's sake. Unbelievable. Uh, All right, Chris, you have a good one, man. Uh, And and you're off to New England? No, no, no. We we only travel soon, so I'm staying home. Dave Hyde and David Ferronis are going up to New England, so uh, I'll be writing from the warmth of – of 79 degrees and uh, and sunny at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Well, good. You get the advantage of uh, having those uh, replays uh, shown 100 times so that, you know, when Tua, if he does play, you know, hits his head again, <laughs> you, you'll be aware of it because oh. I, 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 I couldn't believe this guy was in concussion protocol. I thought, what, did he walk into a wall in the dark? I mean, what, what happened to this guy? Hey, you you got this week. This week is going to be the spotter watching for a Teddy Bridgewater yeah, stumble. Exactly, so, Skyler Thompson, get ready. Yeah, get yeah. ready. If he slips on a banana peel, man, that's it. He's going to be seeing that guy in a whiskey right up there in New England. That's where he hails from. Yeah, he goes straight to his office. All right, thanks, Chris. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks, man. All right, guys. Always a pleasure. Let me tell you about Jimmy Johnson's big chill before we uh, make our exit here today. And, uh, Luby, I know uh, you were working on arrangements. Uh, have we lost contact I've reached out to them, haven't heard back, and I will do that again since we're in between holidays. Get on it. Get on with Kajemi, whatever you have to do. Cause, uh, I'm we, going we straight to, to the source. I, I mean, I love Kajemi and our guy, uh, Tommy Fox, but it seems like that wasn't getting it done. So I went straight to Amanda and Dom. Way and to do that. This yeah. is no, busy and John time, gave me uh, his uh, blessing on that, right? It's like you authorized him to, you know, look up your credit report. I mean, uh, you know, and, and you started the ball rolling. I think it's going to happen. Actually, it'll be good. I, I don't know how many playoff games Fox will have. I mean, there's so many playoff games now. First round's going to involve, uh, what, six games? Because uh, the first round's going to have, oh, there are 14 teams, two, two get a bye. Mm-hmm. So 12, uh, 12 teams, six games six in, games, in yes. the first round. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, I'm hoping Fox is, like, uh, knocked out of one of the rounds or something. So Or maybe they do it on a Saturday. So uh, Jimmy uh, could be available because we definitely want to talk to Jimmy Johnson again here on the show. And I think about it. I mean, uh, when, when we were talking about this patent guy uh, or Peyton, um, you know, I mean, immediately you thought of the Herschel Walker deal and, and how uh, the Seattle Seahawks are now in a position to do something similar to what Jimmy did. Now, I, I don't know how in touch Jimmy is with the college game today, but if there was a guy who could tell you, uh, you know, how to manipulate your position in the draft to get into a, a more favorable spot, it would be Jimmy. So it'd be interesting to talk with him about uh, all the things that are going on, including the uh, playoffs and his book Swagger. And uh, then on top of that, we get to stay down there, which is fantastic because I love Key Largo. Uh, I, I think the weather as of today is going to be more uh, in, in keeping with what you would normally expect this time of the year here in South Florida. Oh, and, yeah. uh, 
I see the sun popping up through the curtains here, and it looks really, really good. Uh, so um, anyway, uh, perfect timing uh, all the month of January, February, the entire season. Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill, a great destination. They don't rob you blind. Uh, when it comes to prices, uh, very, very uh, much uh, in control of uh, keeping everything uh, at a very, very reasonable level. And that's for the most outstanding uh, array of food and uh, diverse menu that you could possibly conjure up. I, I don't know how they came up with all of these things. I know Dominic and Jimmy is the guy behind it in the kitchen there. Our, our good friend CJ was helping them out, making some of these specialty pizzas they have. But everything from the finest of seafood and uh, steaks, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, nachos and, and pizzas that are very, very extraordinary, uh, a full complement of uh, just great, great things that you can uh, indulge in while you're down there in the Keys. And then uh, cocktails, I mean, extraordinary what they do with the service there, whether you're outside at the tiki bar where you're uh, waist deep in the pool and just sitting there. I never moved for like a whole day. I watched live bands all day, Saturday and Sunday, and uh, just stood there in the pool. And uh, there was, uh, you know, a, a very, very, uh, uh, you know, a prominent uh, presence uh, of service. So you didn't have to, oh, I'm man. Can I get a drink? <laughs> And they got to check with the front desk and see if they could get somebody to fill in while they go across the street to buy a right there on the grounds. Everything you need, including water sports and all kinds of fun and entertainment, uh, live music, as we said. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill, mile marker 104, the overseas highway in Key Largo. I guess uh, we should just uh, say sayonara for uh, today. Yes. Uh, I'm questionable. I'm on the uh, very questionable and injured reserve list for Mike Mayo's lunchbox. And and I feel badly about this because... uh, my uh, buddy, Dr. Jerry, who I play tennis with, also happens to be a podiatrist. And, uh, you know, he's been treating me on this broken toe. And the only time he had available what was 11.15 today. So I oh, have to Jesus. be in Margate at 11.15. Well, you're not going to make it by and 12. I... No way, right? I mean, no. uh, you know, so why just don't I just right now? The drive is 25 minutes. Yeah, the drive itself from yeah. Margate to you, that's where I live, is 25 minutes. Oh, easily. Yeah, no, more, more than that. Maybe, uh, you know, more like 35 by the time you get done. Well, where, where Dr. Jerry's located. Okay, well then, yeah. um, all right, so probably going to have to scratch off of that. I hope Mayo's okay with that. <laughs> uh, I don't like to skip the show. I mean, I really don't. But uh, we do have uh, live appearances coming up, and you guys can come out and join us. Uh, and I hope you will. You want to check out Brian's place, uh, Wicked Cheesesteaks. Yes. And that's uh, we're going to be there at lunchtime tomorrow from 12 to tomorrow. 1. And uh, stop on by and say hello. And, uh, you know, great food and drink. And, and push Mayo to order some of the uh, really good I want pizza, right wings. I want to really get into that world. And then I'm sure we'll do something lobster. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I've had the lobster roll a few times. And I, I could eat it every time I go there. But, uh, the mac and know. cheese is good. But I want to, I know they do pizzas and I know they do wings. And, like, I want to dive I'm into, dive yeah, yeah. Like a little, little uh, straight up cheesesteak. And regular cheesesteak. Yeah, like do something yeah. different than we've been doing. See what happens, yeah, with uh, Mike Mayo. And then... Um, and then Friday, we're out at Gulfstream Park, and that's turned out to be a real hoot, yeah. Gulfstream Park. Yeah, Just get to stick around there. I mean, I didn't realize uh, how much I, uh, you know, have, have known over the years and, and missed a lot of the people there at, at uh, Gulfstream Park that have been a part of the crew there for a long, long time. And uh, it was real nice to get reacquainted with a lot of different people that I hadn't seen for a while, hadn't been out there for about a year. And uh, getting out there every Friday is uh, just a real treat. Maybe we could talk Luke into uh, coming on the show this week. Luke, yeah, that'd be great. I know May was yeah, trying to get in touch with him. Yeah. Uh, he, he actually, uh, he was working horses that morning when I tried to get a hold of him. And, uh, he said he didn't see my text until uh, well after the fact, but, uh, told me he was a hundred percent in the next time. So, Let's uh, do it. but we'll see what happens. Maybe we can uh, get some insight into what it's like to ride horses there in the big races against a dynamite jockey colony at Gulfstream Park. We'll be out there on Friday with the lunchbox and trying a new barbecue joint. Yes. Yes. They've, that guy, Joe's been spectacular. Joe's the great. food and beverage manager. Joe's wow. great. 
Yeah, he, and he's, he he's, has been fantastic. He's great. He's good on air. He gets it. He's actually better at understanding Mayo's ridiculous clues than we are. He's yeah. got all three restaurants, which is impressive. Oh, Mayo threw us for a loop there. <laughs> Joe got it, though. Joe got it there. Joe got it there, like on yeah. set. He had just heard it. We had heard it like five times by that point. It's and not I an no institute idea. of higher education in Kentucky. <laughs> it's, in a bluegrass state. They didn't even say Kentucky. <laughs> I was thinking, what is he talking about? Is a restaurant named Bowling Green or something? I don't know. Hey, Kentucky. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, see you. Uh, we'll I, you guys morning. will be uh, coming uh, your way at uh, 12 o'clock today, South Florida Live, the yes. Mike Mayo Lunchbox Show. Always a lot of fun. And um, I will see you guys tomorrow morning. At uh, 7, uh, we should have a Hylia Park Trivia Challenge with Dave Gurgle Scurgling. <laughs> That's always great. And uh, then Friday, a Degenerate Friday. So uh, lots of good things on tap here on the Depot Show. Thanks for tuning in. For Mike Luby Lubitz, I'm Jeff DeForest. We'll see you next time as we leave. You know that. The time. It's 9.05. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Look what they've done to my show.